really just bought. I got my friend's mom a dildo. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. Let's be very. It's not a dildo. It's just a vibe. It's a magic wand. It was just a vibrator. It's not a dildo. So I'm confused. Is it like? No, one, is it like one of the bullets, or is it like? No, it's like, like Hitachi? It's like a magic wand. It has like it's like you got a handle, and then you flick the switch, and oh, it has it's got the like little the big end on the end. Yeah, it's got like the little. Well, it's it, they're uh they're uh they're lime green actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, they're like this color. Is it like the full size ones, or like one of the little ones? Uh, I mean, he came in like a like a box. Oh, like, damn! All right. Yeah. What's your definition of full size? It's really up to. There's the, like big know. ones, dude. Like there's ones like when you pull them out, they're like. There's like legit this. like this. You know but when those you are the see ones, it. But those are the ones I think. <laughs> That's full size. Those are the ones that plug in, though. I think so. Oh, it's okay. like more of like this is like something where you, it's got batteries. Mm. So yeah, I guarantee it is a little bit smaller. Can I hit that? <laughs> oh, damn, I need this. <laughs> Don't worry, bro. She just keeps talking about it at work, how she's, she'll never use it. And I was like, I want that back then. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> like, if you're not going to use it, I'm going to need that back for my refund. <laughs> oh, yeah, you call it a refund. No, I'm just kidding. I would never take your mom's uh, fun time like that. <coughs> she just needs to relax, that. bro. She's stressed. Nah, she's just a worrier. Yeah, a lot, dude. She got nothing to worry about. I'm a good egg. You really? I tried to tell her that, too. I'm like, yo, chill. She was, like, stressing out about the apartment thing. And I'm like, yo. By the way, it's beautiful. First off, this is what I tried to do. with. I was like, fuck it. I was like, just let him go. I was like, he'll learn. Like, thinking she'll be, like, get all mad and be like, yeah, because it's like, Brian and Drew were paying for the apartment. I was like, it doesn't even matter. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the apartment's paid for. They're on the contract. If they would come in and be like, uh, who are you? You'd be like, oh, I'm Brian and Drew's friend. They're working out of town. They want me to make sure their stuff is okay. Like the house doesn't fucking burn down. Boom. But I was like, I was like, yeah, just let them learn. She's like, no. And that just made her worry even more. And I was like, fuck. And then I finally told her, I was just like, Michelle, chill. I was like, Brian and fucking Drew have already paid for the apartment. I was like, there's like, it's cool. It's like, fuck, I was like, Patty Davis probably doesn't even know who the fuck he is. He could probably say that he's fucking Brian with a haircut. And she'd probably be like, yeah. Yeah, Davis can lick him our fucking nutsack. <laughs> Quoted. You can quote the motherfucker on here, on room to fucking talk. <laughs> That's a soundbite. That's a soundbite. That's, right That's a TikTok. Sorry, like to interview. We we're busy looking at our spending portfolio. We should get her in here for an interview and like get it for like a, like act like it's a big thing for a real estate. Like, yo, can we can we talk about your real estate on our podcast? Like, see how cool businesses are, and then just like right off the bat, that's what you say to her. He's <laughs> like, by the way, you, know, you can lick my fucking nuts. Just <laughs> <laughs> like just looks at us all like, oh, this is one of those interviews, huh? Oh, dude, I drove by uh, the house on uh, Fairview Street there. And man, this does not look good. <laughs> what, like what? What happened? I, like to the it? outside just looked like trash, like bad. Damn. Oof. I mean, I got, and it looks like both sides are filled up now. Yeah, and that's something coming from us. <laughs> yeah. I think I know. What we had like an LHU fucking ashtray in the basement. <laughs> well, that was because it was next door. It was like these big fucking. They're like these big metal black fucking things yeah, that were like. like, like iron like welded together like fucking and on the top it's just a giant fucking <laughs> it's just a giant ashtray we it's like <laughs> fucking jacked that from somewhere on campus what? it was next door but it's still like we still jacked it from someone it was so weird like it was just sitting down there along with that other like that huge sign 
there was like a huge. It said like oh it was some yeah, like sign or something like yeah, because Artemis would get behind it. Yeah, Artemis would walk behind it all the time. And then we found the. Uh, didn't we find a table with the beer? Like one of those beer cap tables? No, Buster had bought... No, Shakira had bought that for Buster. Wow, I thought we found it. Buster. No, that was like a gift that she had bought from like some random like frat bros that were selling it. And then we never <laughs> even put it together because like the legs were fucked. <laughs> <laughs> like the screws to put the legs together were fucked. No, dude, it was this massive like table. Like this huge like wooden table that had... Uh, all different like beer caps like put into it to like make a design on it. It's yeah, pretty ever, cool. You it, ever like, seen those? Like yeah. frat guys, like they make a cool inlay of all the beer caps and they like then they like put a top over it and make it into a beer pong table or something. Except this one had been like beat to hell somewhere. Like the legs weren't on it and like the plastic top was falling off. And she had got it for her for like a gift or something. Fix like, her up or hey, wow. we just got married in a month. Let's use this present kind of thing. I forgot that. Take this garbage off my hands. Well, and then like we just never put it together because it was a fucking pain in the ass. <coughs> Good times. That was when Carson was shooting fireworks in my head. What kind of fireworks? <laughs> the ones that come bottle out rockets. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we had a bunch of bottle rockets and we were shooting them off the porch. <laughs> I like getting those Roman ones. No, the Roman candles, yeah. yeah. Fucking shooting them at each other. I threw firecrackers in the Caleb's kitchen once. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> that was when he was living above price. Oh, so it's not his new place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Goes yeah. in there. Julie would not have that. <laughs> Julie would not fucking have that. Yeah, when you know you're Real quick. Getting, you're I gotta get my water. Yep. When you know you're not getting your security deposit back. Oh, dude. We <laughs> lived on Commerce Street. We fucked that house. It was fucked where I moved in there, so fuck it. That was the place we did the throwing stars, like, at the wall and shit. <laughs> Somebody came, I was like, what are you doing? He's like, what do you mean? I figured with that. Dude, you wouldn't even be able to fucking tell. That's how bad it was. I can't really complain about the place I'm at now. It's not too bad. Got a porch or balcony? Yeah. Yeah, it's like a three seasons room. Three seasons? Yeah, I've only ever been to a four, sorry. <laughs> it's basically like. Uh, it's like it's like a porch, but it's basically like walled in. Not very well. It's not like insulated and shit. And there's like, it's mostly windows. What kind of heat? In the apartment's electric. There's like no heat out there. Winter will be fun. Who knows? Living up high, you get all that fucking heat from the people beneath you. Yeah. Yeah, it honestly isn't bad. Thanks for repeating my heat bill, schmucks. <laughs> Bless up, I'm back. It's room to talk. I'm Bud Walker. Michael Glossy. I'm Baby Dick. Baby Dick is back in the building. Yes, sir. Oh, man. Pappy's coming back, too, guys. <laughs> we almost had Pappy today. He finally moved back home from Illinois. But new job scooped him up. <laughs> new old job. Good old Steve. Good old Steve scooped him up for a day of work, and hey. so he couldn't make it. Came in clutch. There you go. But hopefully we get him next week, and it'll be good because it'll be part two from our part one today of finally. I'm fucking excited for the Peaky Fucking Blinders. We had an episode earlier in the show. I don't remember what episode, but we it was kind of like a shoot the shit episode, and we ended up talking about this a lot. 
we kind of went all over the place with what Peaky Blinders is about, who is in it, who the characters are, like a little bit, but it was all over the place. Now, I'm going to break it down now that season six has finally premiered over in the UK. So, over the next three weeks, if you don't want to know what happens in season six, once again, wait to listen to this podcast. I think I saw it comes out on Netflix in like June or July or something. That's what I thought too. I thought I saw it was like somewhere around June that Netflix will get uh, season six, which is the series finale. I was talking to Logan here because Baby Dick uh, started the series, apparently watched the first episode, which is close to like where we're going to end around today, like with the topic. But yeah, it's probably going to be like a two, three parter to get everything around for the entire series and cover everything. By order of the Peaky fucking blinders. The Peaky boys. The Peaky boys. No. Nah. What are the, the Billy, like the Braxton Billy boys? Uh, Brickton. The Brickton Billy Brickton. boys. Uh, fuck, I'm trying to... When they, they come sailing down the canal? Yeah, he like, says it. <laughs> I, I usually know it right off top. For some reason, that last bucket, I just can't, I like... Hello! Hello! We are the Billy boys! Hello! Hello! We are the Billy boys! We're out to our knees and feet and blood and oil We are the Brickton Daddy Billy boys! <laughs> It's so funny. Like, it's also like, first off, it's like a grown ass group of men walking through the woods, singing that terrible tune. Yeah. And then to realize that it's like in pro, like it, it's drama, it's fiction, but like in reality, there there are some dudes who did that. Like in early season one, there's an IRA member who starts singing like the IRA Fenians fucking song, and that was a, a real fucking song. So it's like. There was probably like these really bad men doing somewhat, somewhat similar, but like knowing that these motherfuckers are like coming to kill you, like they're bad motherfuckers, and you just want to be like, dude, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Yeah, and let them know it's the Billy Boys that sent us. <laughs> we are the Brickton Dairy Billy Boys. And just like, like nowadays, like people would fucking troll these motherfuckers forever, but it's like these motherfuckers were coming for you. You'll get there eventually, baby dick. Can't wait to. Yeah, it's a great series. I recommend this to fucking literally every single person I encounter in life. Yeah, it's good. And it's like one of those shows where it's like the seasons are short, so it's not like stretching things out or like putting filler in. It's all just like compact and like the story elements that need to be there are there, and there's nothing like extra kind of deal. Which yeah, no is filler, nice. no crap. It's, yeah, it's what I love I like about it. it, man. One thing I think like going forward since we've seen a lot of these like okay like game of thrones i think it's a big thing of why it fucking ruined everything is because it's so fucking long like just like what you said like these are the seasons are six episodes long they're about an hour like 50 55 minutes or so somewhere in that area and it's just that's it like you get like it's all writing it's all very good substance. It's everything you need. You don't get a lot of, like, terrible filler or anything. Every piece in, like, Peaky Blinders is, like, something you can use to, like, look forward or, or like, understand how something's going to work in the future. It's also made in the U.K. I think that's a big difference, too, because it's not, like, there's not this giant pool to Americanize it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they have their own style over there, and it's, and you know what I mean? It's something that... It's something that caught over there. So it's like based on their culture and how this was at this time. 
Well, like if some if like another country is gonna compete, like com- compete like media wise with America, like they have to make it a good product. Yeah, and this is like some of the most. I mean, like even the fucking soundtrack to it, dude. Like these are like we're dealing with nineteen twenties, a pre nineteen twenties actually, because it, the the series takes place in nineteen nineteen, the first year that it starts. So yeah, the nineteen twenties, but still nineteen nineteen. But then they bring in some of these like grunge, like rock songs that are just like these modern songs nowadays that just hit so fucking hard with like the grungy lifestyle back then, of like the industrial revolution and all these fucking you know. There's kids running in the fucking streets, the same streets that there's dude in overalls like fucking shoveling coal into a furnace, like these giant factories around. All the fucking ground is like black. Like literally, the ground everyone's walking on is black. Everyone has black soot on them. Like, I don't think you ever see like a sky unless they're like out in the country for some reason. Like, it, whenever they're in a town, it's always just like yeah, like dreary. There's very few just, scenes. Like, smog everywhere. I think the only time is like when uh, in those early scenes with when the police are going down Watery Lane, and it shows you Watery Lane, and just in the back you can see it. But it, it's it's made to, it it shows you it's meant to show you how like grungy and dirty and like how like. Some some of these fucking hoods back then were fucking like it was not a fucking you know what i mean it wasn't a cool place to be like there's fucking first off there's just like the regular gang corruption but also it's just the environment is just like yeah. the air isn't good to fucking breathe yeah, the regular jobs are just gonna kill you you're gonna crush by yeah metal or something yeah, you may get black lung one day don't you know it yeah yeah there's no and there's no regulations back then like i said there's kid some of these kids are fucking yeah you, know, you don't see a lot of kids like working working they, the gangs do employ them. The gangs will use children yeah, sometimes to like, <laughs> yeah. Um, Got little hands. Yeah, but you, it's not like you see something with like where they're exploiting child labor. <laughs> but it's still like they do a really good job at like showing the time. Like I said, all the people had to get like fucking haircuts of like that style. And if you watch interviews with the actors, they're always like, like at the beginning, you can tell it's like early Peaky Blinders before they knew it was going to be like a crazy hit. And they're just like, what is fucking haircut, man? <laughs> she's like, she's like, what? It's like, oh, these motherfuckers used to do some crazy shit. Like, I don't know what's up with this, but I can't wait till I can fucking grow it out. It doesn't like the, the inspector from the first season doesn't he have mutton chops. Yeah, he might. I don't know if it's like bad mutton chops, but I think he has some sideburns. Yeah, I think he. I think uh, Inspector Campbell has some sideburns. Which shout out Sam Neil, that motherfucker, Sam Neil from the uh, Jurassic Park series. He's like he plays an old inspector in here, and uh, yo, his fucking Irish accent is something else. Yo, is it, is it thicker than uh, bro? Thicker than syrup, bro. He has. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing. Like it's pretty. He, he makes you forget that he's Sam Neil. Like for forever, like I like you know, like when you see an actor and you know he plays in something else, you can never forget his face. As you know what I mean, like you just know his like when he plays Campbell, like I you completely forget who Sam Neill is to I me. Feel like a lot of the characters in Peaky Blinders are honestly like that. True, very true. Yeah, Paul Anderson, I think, who plays Arthur, is one of the biggest. Like he like the way he plays Arthur Shelby is fucking nuts, dude. Like. He go like he goes somewhere else to fucking be that fucking person. I, like he has to like, especially when you see the next one, when when Mike catches up and he sees season six and you see like that change from season five and Arthur to what he is in season six. Like it's just like, 
that's some fucking good acting, bro. Like, that's fucking good acting. And it's fucking, it's awesome. It's awesome. Anyway, I'm going to stop rambling about that shit. We're going to get into the news stories, and then we'll get into the Peaky Blinders. So, uh, this first one here. A widow spends GoFundMe donations from her husband's death on gifts for her lover accused of killing him. Okay. God damn. That's a good way to start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. Jennifer Faith. Hashtag don't trust these hoes. Not <laughs> <laughs> here to get you. I ain't saying she a gold digger, but she's using GoFundMe money. <laughs> <laughs> For my fucking funeral. <laughs> Jennifer Faith, 49, pleaded guilty in February to plotting the cold-blooded murder of her husband, Jamie, who was shot seven times by a masked man with a couple walking their dog in Dallas in October of 2020. And police have charged Faith's boyfriend, Darren Lopez, with murder. And he is awaiting trial after pleading not guilty. Is and there strong evidence? There is very strong <laughs> <laughs> Mike's like, I have the fucking goods. Uh, in the days after Mr. Faith's murder, a GoFundMe fundraising account set up to provide financial support to the Faith family by neighbor Jennifer Savin raised more than $60,000. It was shocking to see how much people were contributing. Con- I can't talk. Contributing. Yeah, contributing and donated, Miss Spillen said. Jennifer Faith also went on television in the days after the murder to plead for the gunman to come forward. Ah. Uh. But court documents show that she lavished gifts on Mr. Lopez, including a Samsung QLED large screen television and plane <laughs> tickets, and gave him access to her credit cards. She wrote in an email to him, Here's both of my major CCs. Amex has no limit, and I think the Visa has, like, $35,000 limit. Oh, sweet. Please do not hesitate to use them for whatever you need, especially when it's stuff for the girls. Aw. And it says she withdrew over $58,000 from her GoFundMe account over two months. Oh. And leaving the bill of 6500 for her husband's funeral unpaid. So she got all that money. It's like, would you just pay it? Like, priority. just pay it! <laughs> Who cares? And the prosecution says that, uh... Mrs. Faith and Mr. Lopez exchanged more than 14,000 calls and texts during the month of the murder. So there's definitely some good evidence. No, nah, it's probably just <laughs> oh, man. man. Sometimes people are like, fucking stupid. They're just butt dial her. $14,000. I gotta stop putting it in that pocket. Like, you gotta, like, put in some fucking work to send that many messages in a month. Phone's cracked, man. Yeah, I remember when uh, back... Okay, like back when we were kids and like flip, yeah, flip phones were a thing and like fucking paying per text message was a fucking and then thing. You get like the breakdown at the end of the month, like you sent extra yeah. text messages. Yeah, my dad this? was like, my dad was like freaked out that my sister had like over ten thousand texts in a fucking month or something like that. He's like, I've never seen it, and it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, come on. Like nowadays, like think about it. Like, oh my god, that yeah, awful. think about how many texts ever the normal person sends in a fucking month. Yeah, I had, like, a track phone, and so I had, like, minutes. And I could, yeah. like, it would, like, tick down. You could see it fucking just dwindling as you settle. Honestly, <laughs> I only think I probably send less than, like, 20 texts to people in a month. But if we're, if we're counting memes, it's it's not. I never texted. <laughs> much higher than that. That's it. Yes, that's it. That's it. that counts. That's Wait, a text. That, that would be a multimedia message. That would count as, like, double time. Usually. Yeah, yeah, back in the day, that would definitely count as, like, yeah. Was it double? I mean, it was usually more. But, but then it was like minutes were free on the weekends. Yeah, if you had like a good plan, like you have like fuck? after or after, 
after nine on weekdays yeah. and on weekends, you had free range of your minute plan. Yeah. Sounds like some communist bullshit, <laughs> <laughs> dude. For real, dude. That that was the old like when you had the old LG fucking flip phones with and you had T nine like slid up and shit. No, I'm talking about like, dude. Oh, my very first like, phone was like, like, like a, a telephone. Yeah. You flip this bitch up. I had a plastic antenna. Like yeah. a little thing that sat there, and then I could like bring up an even another antenna. Oh. I don't even know if it did anything. Motherfuckers used to just chew on them bitches. Like bitches in school, yeah. they just sit in class and like. <laughs> could have been worse. Could have been like chew the, on big, them. the big brick one. Got You know. Yeah, that's fucking, that's like the '80s and '90s cell phone. <laughs> These are like we had this Talk bitch flipping. Briefcase. You could do ABC or T9 word. Yeah. In that, you got really good at T9 word. You like like with those old MVs, you used to be able to like text in my pocket. Like, I could just hit okay, okay, like, text something out in my pocket, hit send, and I knew that motherfucker was exactly what I fucking <laughs> meant to say. This takes me way back to the point when I was just a twinkle in my dad's eye. My T9 word was something else, man. You used to be, like, you were pressing all kinds of fucking combinations of fucking buttons, but, man, you knew what the fuck you were saying. Like, you just got so used to just, like, because some of it even, like, you'd have to, okay, like, if you put in, right, or I'm, or any other combination of those three letters that you could hit that like you know what i mean like you like if you're trying to say i'm you would press those numbers but then the first option that would show up would be in so you'd have to hit a button to go to the next option of word so that was part of the combinations too is like knowing that in this word i need to hit the pound key to change it to this word or hit it this many times to get it to that word wow that sounds that's Sounds very inconvenient. Yeah, it was fucking T9 word was absolutely something else. But I guess that would also make it easier back then. It just comes down to muscle memory in your pocket. Then you just, yeah, text your friends. Those old Envy phones, I love those. I think it was the MV2, actually. Can't do that these days. That thing was a Touch brick. My, my favorite one's always the ones that like slid up and had the keyboard. I always mm-hmm. love those. Yeah. The the MV was like that. It didn't slide up, but it flipped. Yeah. It was the long one, but then you could uh, flip it around. You could hold it like this, too, and it had a screen on the front with the... They're kind of making a comeback. Well, Dude. they're in uh, those weird bend, bendy fucking phones. Bend in half like... Yeah. Here, I'll show you the MV, too. So it's a flip phone, but you just got rid of like the, the part where it doesn't like look entirely like a Game Boy Advance. Yeah. <laughs> I just like how phones got to the point where it was like the razor happened and things were trying to make it as small as possible for the phones. And then immediately after that, it was like, you know what? We're just going to make it big again. Dude, (laughs) this was this was it. That was the envy. Stylish. Dude, this thing was a brick. You could drop that out of a three story house, bro. That thing picked up and fucking called your aunt 20 seconds later. My first phone was some old shitty Blackberry. But that's what I was saying. That was that was the exact phone that I was telling you about that I would hold in my pocket. And then be able to text on that front screen using T9 word and like hitting the pound key and all that kind of shit. Like, <laughs> that was the one that I used to freak out and fucking teacher. <laughs> that shit was awesome because they had the green one, the orange one, the silver one. And like you said, if someone jumps you, you just chuck that shit out. <laughs> Knock that motherfucker out. It was a brick, man. And you're asking me if I can get it back. No, they're knocked out. Trust me. No, you dead. just go take it and they're, yeah. <laughs> they're done. That's wild, huh? What was it? Uh, it's just so weird that that's how things used to be. Like, pay per text message. Who thought of that? Who fucking thought of that? People who wanted money? Yeah, but it didn't work. 
You know what I mean? Like, then they, they still changed. They still went for the better op. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, it was just so weird. And that's how we had to do. Th- Actually, what's really weird is the after nine and then weekends thing. Yeah. It's like, you got a curfew on your phone. <laughs> you can't be taking up. Like, if you're going to be using it during peak hours, you got to pay for it. Yeah, these rand- this random company is just giving us a curfew for the fucking, for the device that we can use. But it's like, yeah, that's how it fucking was. The thing that always gets me is about, like, the internet. Like, our American tax dollars literally made the internet. Literally. It, like, we paid for and made the internet, and now you have to pay fucking Comcast fucking 100 $200 a month just to fucking rent a box to get the internet. <laughs> it's fucking bullshit. Put it like that. Like, I don't feel like getting internet from my place. Yeah, it's fucking bullshit. <laughs> Baby Dick's going home and ripping his shit right out of his wall. Yeah, I'm just gonna mooch off the person beneath me. Then. Like it's like you already you like on top of that you paid them a month for the internet and then they're gonna charge you for the fucking box too. Like mm-hmm. it's fucking bullshit. <laughs> it's fucking bullshit. It is. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> uh, next news article. <laughs> oh, it's another husband murder. Sweet. <laughs> So casual. Is getting consistent? How to murder your husband fiction author on trial for real life murder in Oregon. You talked about this in the Discord, didn't you? Uh, with Wyatt, I think. I think you mentioned it's it, yeah. It's like the name of a headline or a book. Well, no, like, like, the lady <laughs> who murdered her husband wrote a book called How to Murder Your Husband. And now oh, someone else is going to write. Before she murdered her husband. Like and now someone else is going to write a book called that. <laughs> How to Murder Your Husband Murder. <laughs> Romance, romance novelist Nancy Crampton Brophy. Author. She gets a romance novelist out of this. Oh, yeah, she's a, she, I mean, she is a romance novelist. She's a murder novelist. Oh, she's a murderer and she's a romance novelist. But murderer. she wrote a book about murder. Well, it's like a, it's one of those sexy murder books. It's murder. You don't get to put sexy in front of it and just not and just. Is that what gets your rocks off? Yeah. The fuck? Some people. Murder? Yeah, like serial killers, bro. That's their like whole gimmick. Oh, CSI is a wet dream for them then. <laughs> you didn't know that? No. You didn't know that most serial killers, like, the way they are like that is basically, like, it's, it's the only way. Yeah, like, mostly, like, a, well, what it comes down to is, like, they can't get, like, their their brain is wired away the where they can't get off unless a certain thing happens. And it's a natural any type of animal thing that if you just like if you're able to release and come like we do and you don't for a really long time you get really fucking pissed when it's like there's the ones that either like the act of killing makes them gush or like playing with the dead body after the killer makes them gush and it's like yeah so that's where the thing is like they can't get off unless I something happens i can't bust unless i bust your skull buddy that's usually that's that's usually like not don't get me wrong it's not all cases of serial killers but a lot of cases of the serial killers is like the the, the really fucked up part in their brain is like they've tried their entire life to like get like, off and they can't and they don't like know how and they don't know why the cases would have been like that there was the one uh Jesus it was christ there was the one serial killer he was like a gay guy and he would like lay in his mirror like lay looking at his mirror with like his shirt off and stuff and like see he couldn't see his head and pretend like him in the mirror was like a dead corpse and he would like jerk off to it you know what? I give him credit. At least he's trying to psych himself out. I mean, it didn't help. Like, yeah, I don't. Th- yeah, I mean, if he's not actively trying to be like to like negate the impulses and be like, no, I can't do this. Like, if you're still killing people while you're doing it, it was <laughs> like, okay. like the start, and that kind of like ramped. He's like, you know what? Like, maybe I kind of like dead bodies. Let's see how that kind of goes. And then, and then it gets to somewhere. the point where like they can't get off unless 
oh, they have a dead body. <laughs> and you don't get those very often. Man, don't you just what got that? me here? It's, it's like the like the movie is like the freezes is like, hey, do you wonder how I got here? <laughs> I just you think after like that post nut clarity you you think you think a little better about your decisions, but I guess at that point it's already done. Yeah. I mean now you're just probably thinking how do I not go to jail? Well, might as well just keep doing it <laughs> until we get caught. Yeah. So it's damn shame. This romance novelist, author of the online essay. See, how I, don't, I still don't like that. I just don't like it. I'm gonna let it go, but I'm, I don't like it. Let's praise this hero. Whatever. Uh, an indictment alleges that in June of 2018, she did unlawfully and intentionally cause the death of her now-deceased husband, Daniel Brophy, using a 9mm pistol, and he was fatally shot at the Oregon Culinary Institute, where he worked, on June 2nd of 2018. Uh, Circuit Judge Christopher Ramirez also ruled that prosecutors could not use her How to Murder Your Husband essay, which lists motives for murdering one husband as evidence in the trial. You can't use a book. Uh, the judge wrote that you can't use this evidence against Dude, me. I hate stuff like that. I absolutely mm. fucking, like, there's always, like, case, not always, but there's just, there's so many cases where it's just like, oh, yeah, like, basically where the motherfucker admits to doing what they did, yeah, you can't use that. It's like, <laughs> what? What do you mean? I saw the next one. <laughs> See, this is this is something else I don't like about this. We need to put a divider up on that goddamn couch. You motherfuckers always get to cheat the news stories from me. Everyone pre-laughs. I figured it would lighten things up after the two husband murders. <laughs> after the two husband murders. You motherfuckers. <laughs> so, uh, uh... Her other works include The Wrong Series, including books The Wrong Cop, The Wrong Husband, The Wrong Seal, The Wrong Lover, The Wrong Hero... And other titles such as The Girl Most Likely To. Wrong. <laughs> the wrong motive. Yeah, I don't have no idea what those books are about, but they just sound kind of weird. Unless, like, maybe someone murders the wrong husband or, like, the wrong cop. Or the wrong lover. Dumbass. They're they're probably, it's probably, like, a series. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, they're, like, the, it's called The Wrong Series or whatever. Oh, uh, and an affidavit alleges that security footage from the day shows Nancy driving in front of the OCI building at 7.08 a.m. before Daniel arrived. The footage then apparently shows her leaving the OCI building shortly after his arrival at 7.28 a.m. Daniel's co-worker entered the building shortly afterward, but not discover his body in one of the school's kitchens until 8 a.m. Uh, detectives interviewed Nancy after his death, and she allegedly told them that she had been home during the morning of June 2nd and only left after getting a call from OCI. And she apparently said that he had, she had previously bought a 9mm handgun but never used it. Uh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Uh, court documents further allege that Nancy called detectives in June requesting a letter stating that she was not suspect in her husband's homicide to provide to a life insurance company because she had a policy for Daniel valued around $40,000. Mm. Prosecutors also claimed that the following her husband's death, she made claims on 10 life insurance policies valued around $1.4 million for which Whoa. she was the beneficiary. She got 10 on this motherfucker? I mean, they usually only honor them if you don't murder your husband but but what i'm trying to say is <clears throat> if your wife gets 10 11 actually if your wife gets 11 <laughs> life insurance policies on you my guys be cautious <laughs> especially if you didn't like talk about it beforehand or anything if she's just like hey honey i got these but even if she's do, even if she would tell you like one's enough like one does the trick like that's some level of trust, I mean. I mean, if I worked in, like, some dangerous field or something like that, like, 
I don't know. Maybe you've like worked like one of those oil rigs out on like the. Ocean if you work for a dangerous field, you get paid well enough that she's fine after your death, and the life insurance policy that the company probably gives you for being in that type of situation. Granted, if they don't, still one, <laughs> one policy. I was a life insurance broker. I know this. One. Don't get me wrong. It's fucking expensive to put someone in the ground. But one point what million? 1.4 or something? 1.4 million? What kind of funeral are you having? <laughs> I'll go to that one. If I had good drinks. Uh, the prosecution further alleged that she began to struggle financially in 2016 and began researching ghost guns in 2017. What? Uh, it's like a gun that doesn't have any, like... It's basically like a whole bunch of parts that don't have, like, serial numbers on them, like, put together to make the gun. Mm. So it's kind of, like, untraceable. Uh, and then she apparently spent $15,000 on the ghost gun in parts in 2017. And then she shot her husband in June of 2018. Supposedly. Yeah, she, t- sorry. She yeah. supposedly. Yeah, yeah. Supposedly. Co- conclusions, Mike. <laughs> Innocent until proven guilty. She got a stifter through, like, 14,000 e- text messages. Yeah. But dials. Sorry. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> God, it's not my job. Uh, so the one that Logan already saw was thieves steal over $22,000 in cheese wheels from a Dutch dairy farm. <laughs> now that's a killer. How are you going to flip $22,000 in cheese wheels? Let's hear. Listen, I got a plan. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, hear me out. <laughs> I'm going to need a bucket of rats. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a truck load. Yeah. So a Dutch dairy farmer walked into a shed to milk his cows one morning last, and uh, he was shocked to see that thieves had broken in and helped themselves to over 60 cheeses. The oversized cheese wheels weighed 10 kilograms or 22 pounds each. So the farming couple from the town of Fajnard said they... <laughs> <laughs> I'm five. Uh, they say they must have been hurriedly hauled away in a wheelbarrow. But they're less concerned about the how, and then they are about the why they were targeted, especially since they're now down 22000 or $23,000 worth of inventory. Edna! Edna! We hit the jackpot! <laughs> we found the cheese barn! <laughs> Get the wheelbarrow! Get back to the house! Yeah. I'll never bounce back from this point. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do without my 60 cheeses? First off... How do you get, like, what, 60, 22 kilogram cheeses? Or 60, 22 pound cheeses. Yeah, that's guy's, big cheese. This guy's fucking packing. Like, he makes it? He's a dairy, they are dairy farm. They make Oh, okay, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> they must have been watching, for, they must have been watching us for a while. Our gate is always closed, except on the day when the milkman comes by. They must have known that. One of the cheese farmers identified only as Gerda said. They also pass by our house. I can kick myself for not noticing anything. You just don't feel safe, and that is a very bad feeling. It would really take a while before I would gain trust in people. It was probably Gerda. <laughs> Gerda's one of the farm owners. Yeah, all, it's inside job. <laughs> she stole it. I get you. <laughs> Gerda so just can't stand that cheese in that fucking barn. <laughs> Gerda said that the farm now has a significantly smaller selection of cheeses in stock. The thieves only left the most mature cheeses, probably because they were on the higher shelves than the younger ones. I was completely stunned, because who would do such a thing, she sighed. You work really hard for it, and then everything is destroyed in one night. Oh, your cheese is chucked. Theo Decker, the chairman of the Dairy Farmers Organization, doesn't think that the theft was the work of amateurs. 
This is not just about <laughs> shit, Steve. This is a well-organized crime, he said. <laughs> we were a bit afraid of this. They don't shy away from entering a cheese farm with brute force. In no time, they fill their bus and leave. He also suggested that cheese would not be resold in the Netherlands due to the registration code that all Dutch cheeses are required to have. This is a number pressed into the rind and cannot be removed without damaging the cheese, he said. As a result, that these cannot sell the entire cheese in the Netherlands. But yes, if you do cut off a piece, you can no longer see where the cheese comes from. Fucking goddamn bastards. They really pulled it off. This is a <laughs> They really pulled it off. They did it. This is an underground criminal ring of cheese thieves. Yeah, give me a shout out. I'll give them a shout out. <laughs> you want in on their operations? Is Kinda. that what you're trying to say? I'm hungry. You trying to be a cheese fence? <gasps> yeah. Hey, you just eat cheese, cheese like just cheese, just straight cheese. You can be the guy that eats you, off man. the part of that serial number Ooh. for him. But it's like that's on the rind part. That's not the part you want to eat. You'll still know. eat it. <laughs> that's so like that's we gotta give this girl a person more questioning. I don't know. She's the cheese owner. I don't know, man. Why would she take no, it? She was a farm work. She was always a worker. Oh, sorry. Probably, Either way, yeah. paying Gerda, and she wanted she. Maybe she left the gate open. Listen, I they leave the gate open every time the milkman comes. The milkman. The milkman's coming for something. Maybe the, the, milkman something. the milkman took the cheese. He left the milk and fucking loaded up the cheese. Like, you know what? I'm being really underpaid. <laughs> Gerda, you're going to help. It's the best alibi. So, uh, a woman with chemical sensitivities chose medically assisted death after failing to get better housing. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up, what? That's a lot of long words in that one. So this lady, she has like, she has this condition where basically like, she's just like super sensitive, like different chemicals and stuff, especially like ones just like in the air, like smoke, oh wow, different stuff like that. And she tried for like two years to get better housing, but then after she just couldn't, she chose medical assisted suicide over it. Wow. You just move out. Well, that was the problem. She, she couldn't. <laughs> A 51-year-old Ontario woman with uh, severe sensitivities to chemicals chose medically-assisted death after a desperate search for affordable housing free of cigarette smoke and chemical cleaners failed. The, the woman's assisted death appears... <laughs> I'm sorry. What are you laughing about? Oh, this no, isn't... You, didn't get the, you didn't get the good part yet. Hold on. Shit, I don't mind the good part. <laughs> the woman's assisted death appears to be the first in the world for someone diagnosed with multiple chemical sensitivities... A chronic condition also referred to as an environmental illness or environmental allergies. The government sees me as expendable trash, a complainer, useless and a pain in the ass, Sophia said in a video filmed on February 14th, eight days before her death. She died after a frantic effort by friends, supporters, and even doctors to get her safe and affordable housing in Toronto. She also left behind letters showing a desperate two-year search for help in which she begs local, provincial, and federal office officials for assistance in finding a home away from the smoking chemicals wafting through her apartment. This person begged for years, two years, wrote everywhere, called everywhere, asking for healthy housing, says Ronnie Paris, president of the Environmental Health Association of Quebec. It's not that she didn't want to live, it's she couldn't live that way. Research shows that many symptoms of MCS dissipate when chemicals are removed from a person's environment. But like Canadians across the country, Sophia had to spend a lot of time at her home because of COVID-19. Uh, letters she wrote said that indoor cigarette and pot smoking increased, sending fumes through her Scarborough apartment building ventilation system. Uh, more chemical cleaners were used in the hallways that worsened her symptoms, 
and she confined herself to her bedroom or dungeon, as she called it, for most of the pandemic, sealing the vents to keep cigarette and pot smoke from wafting into her unit. Uh, her apartment was run by the Salvation Army of Canada, and according to letters provi- uh, provided to the news, she wrote to officials in all levels of government to the apart- that the apartment was renovated to allow her to live in her bedroom uh, with the vents sealed to keep smoke from coming in. However, she said the landlord refused other accommodations to supplement the room with heating and air conditioning. So this lady was basically just, like, trapped in her, like, bedroom. In a bedroom. Yeah. Hot boxing for weeks. Yeah. Months. Yeah, literally two like two years through COVID. Uh, she said, "My landlord does not believe anything is wrong with me and refuses to do anything else to help me with regards to making this apartment safe for me to live." And basically, it just sucks so much that she decided, "You know what? I'm just done. Fuck that." Which I mean, like, it's either like you're trapped in your house, or you, and you might die, or like you go outside and you're like dying constantly as you're just walking around. That doesn't sound great. That's fucking sad. Damn, yeah. That's a that's a shitter one. I that's mean, that sad. just sounds like something you'd hear in fucking, like, America or something, not, like, Canada with, like, yeah. the, like socialized healthcare and stuff. No, they really wanted you to stay in your houses up there. Yeah. They were a lot, very strict about it. Like, a lot yeah, of Yeah, Golding, were. what the fuck? What the heck? I thought they were nice up there. I thought they were nice up there. <laughs> I mean, they are... I do have a picture for this next one. Uh, yep. You got over there. I got it up. Like, I'm prepared. Could you, okay, you're not. You're never gonna guess it, Brad. But can you guess why I put a picture of a lizard for a news story? Dude, that's not just a lizard. It's it's a Bengal monitor lizard. That yeah, that's a monitor lizard. That thing will fuck you up. It's like a meter and a half, a little bit more. Yeah, those things fuck people oh. up. And do, do you want to know what the news story is about it? About it is. <coughs> I mean, I want to take a guess, but, like, there's literally, like, it could, it could be any fucking thing. Yeah, it's, it's something. And by the look of your face, we're not guessing. Just continue with the news story. So, Bengal monitor lizard raped in Maharashtra. What? And four have been arrested. I hate these stories. I love not like these I, stories. But I just, like, what? I don't get what you look at that and it's like, I need that. I need this in my life. I need this information. I need to know more about this. And they didn't... Like, it didn't fuck anybody up? I'm not sure. There wasn't a whole lot Maybe they on this article. It. So, four people have been arrested for allegedly raping <coughs> a bamboo monitor lizard in the Sidiri Tiger Reserve in Maharashtra. The accused, identified as hunters, allegedly entered the core zone of the Tiger Reserve in the Gaba area of Gothin and committed the abhorrent crime. The Forest Department checked the mobile phone of the accused and came to know about the incident, and the officials found a recording of the act, which showed the accused allegedly gang-raping the monitor lizard. Which is a sentence I never thought I'd have to say. Runs off the top. How are you gonna gang-rape a and fucking... And they videotaped it. It's like, you're gonna gang-rape the lizard, and then you're gonna videotape it? Like, you're gonna look at this later with fondness and be like, hey guys, look at what we did. That was. I great. mean, if you're gonna do it in the first place, like, I guess I'm not... Past the point of yeah, they probably would. You, we're doing this for a process, for our posterity. Uh, <laughs> the the forest officials posted at the forest reserve traced the accused with the help of the CCTV footage in which they can be seen roaming in the forest. Uh, the officials are perplexed about the incident, and they would take the matter yeah. up with. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
and they'll take the matter up with the Indian Penal Court to discuss the charges against the accused. According to the officials, the accused will be uh, produced in a court and appropriate legal action will be taken against them. And the Bengal monitor lizard is, is a reserved species under the Wildlife Protection Act of 1972. And if convicted, they could be accused, they could be charged with seven years of imprisonment. Oh, it's good to know. Was it worth it raping that lizard for seven years in Indian jail? I mean, the video was pretty funny. I mean, I bet that thing had to, like, scratch some of them, like, or at least something, like. Unless they just, like, went over top of it and, like. Well, it's like four uh, grown adults. I'm, I'm sure they were either fucking shit-faced or something. They had to have something, like, high or something. I think they could do that. Four of them on top of that thing. It's only a meter long, you said. Oh, it's like a, it's, it's a, I looked them up, they were like 1.7 meters. So that's like five feet. Yeah, I tower, I tower over that thing. That thing's small. It's five feet long. That's a five foot lizard, bro. Yeah. I'm a six foot schmuck. (laughs) Kick that thing. I got a whole foot on you, lizard. (laughs) (laughs) You got shorty. Okay, this next noise, new story is a little bit of a power cleanser. Houstonians vow to keep feeding ducks as city tries to ban practice in Herman Park. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that anymore. You know what? I think I can. The city of Houston would really like locals to stop feeding ducks in Herman Park, but responses on social media indicate stopping the practice will be an uphill battle. Ooh. Residents have been asked to stop tossing breadcrumbs and other food to the duck population, which the city says has exploded in recent months, causing to loiter in the space. For many years, people have been bringing bread to the park and feeding the ducks, and families like to come and do that, City of Houston Natural Resources Manager Kelly Anderak says. But it really has created some problems, and the ducks are prolific breeders, and the population has got a little bit out of control there. Fuck, this has got so many ducks. I'm feeding the ducks. The chief instigators of the overpopulation are Muscovy ducks, according to Anderick. Muscovies are large, warty-faced ducks with white and black plumage commonly found in South America. They make up a significant portion of the 150 waterfowl living in the park that officials are saying residents shouldn't feed. Efforts to drive home this point have included the city installing Do Not Feed signs by ponds in the park, but judging by social media responses, it's going to take a lot more than posted warnings to dissuade some people from the practice. Over my dead body! Yeah, if I get to go to a place and there's 150 little ducks coming towards me, I'm feeding the ducks. Especially Fuck if you came you. with bread. Yeah. Sure. All the fucking crime in this city and you're worried about some ducks being fed? Shake my head, commented one user. Just let people take them home or another free ducks. <laughs> I will feed the ducks any damn time I want. <laughs> well, user point. Dave Smiling Coyote. That's a good point. These people just want to ruin the fun, commented Jaron Bowder. I'm going to keep feeding the ducks. <laughs> <laughs> you have to put them on buses and send them to Delaware, wrote another. I don't get that. Mm. <laughs> the guy wants to put these ducks on a bus and send them to Delaware. What the hell's in Delaware? I don't know. That's what ducks like, apparently. They could just fly. I've never met a person that says they're from Delaware. When I was up in Canada once, we were driving, and I kept telling people how much I wanted to see a moose. And then our one homie was just like, we, we were going past this field, and there's like a fucking a shit ton of geese. And he's like, oh, yeah, man. Like, So these are like some Canadian geese. And the one dude was just like, yo, like, yeah, they have them there, too. They're just called fucking geese, bro. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, I didn't even think. <laughs> yeah, bro, they fly. <laughs> we see them. <laughs> Ooh, we're getting to the end. 
Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. That's it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that part? It's okay. The very last part. No. Oh. Okay. Ooh. Don't look at it. What did it say, it's baby? Not for you to see. I, I, what did it say? I started reading it, now I'm concerned. It's not for you to see. Why was it there? Oh, really? I made executive decisions. Yeah, he did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I do it a lot, you know. Yeah, you can't give them all. Yes. He's got to save some. He's got to hold some back. Sometimes it's just not right to say it. There's so many of them. I mean, it was like three sentences. Was it even about? It was. A, I mean, it was related to that news story. I just. It was, I uh, saw ducks. No, I mean, it, I just thought that like ending on just the comments was good enough. I felt yeah. like if I would have said the last part, it would have detracted from it. Oh, so that's why I made the executive decision not to bring it up. But then you kept pressing the <laughs> shit. You kept pressing the shit. He really wanted the rest of those fucking sentences. <laughs> I do that sometimes. Sometimes I edit like mid mid episode. You know, you gotta improvise, yeah. man. Sometimes you gotta like. There's some things you're not gonna say. Especially with me, like, I fuck, you, you've heard me, like, I ramble on, and trust me, there's fucking, I've, like, been looking down at my notes when I, as I'm rambling, and been like, oh, God, like, <laughs> I gotta get some, I gotta get from here to here pretty fucking quick. So, yeah. When are you gonna do one, baby dick? Segment? Oh, hell if I know. What do you want me to talk about? Whatever you want. That, that's what, that's what mm. you figure out. <laughs> I like I like doing my like history like weird ones. Yeah, Mike seems to be like our history, um, history slash conspiracy alien guy. Seth seems to be our like in depth lore guy, and I seem to be our rambler. Yeah, I was gonna say Seth's like a video game guy, beat it like Assassin's Creed and stuff too. Yeah. Like fictional characters I'll take like A certain person Or something like that Like I've done Talion I did do the Assassin's Creed series But Um Which also We're gonna finish That one up as well Now that fucking Valhalla has Uh Attaboy Now that Valhalla Has finally released Uh It's last DLC And that whole fucking story Is coming to a close What about Logan Nine Fingers Logan Yeah We're gonna have to carry it Yep That one's a good one too the you weren't here, you might and uh, you might not have listened to the episode yet about when we were talking about the third law trilogy in like books that we like to read. Nah, I must have missed that. And uh, one. it's a little it's the third law trilogy. It's a good it's a good little book series. That's there's like a lot of fighting. There's some like magic in it and stuff like that. It's kind of brutal. It's fun. Uh, it's fun. Uh, he who fights with monsters, book five. I just finished that the other day. It was really good. I definitely recommend that. Hell yeah. I like it a lot. It's like a. It's like an Isekai where, like, dude gets, like, sucked into, like, world full of, like, magic and monsters and shit and has to, like, survive. But eventually, like, he does end up making it, like, back to, like, Earth. And then, like, he kind of, like, brings, like, magic to his family, which is kind of cool. Like, it was just, like, kind of, like, just revealing magic to, like, the whole world and, like, <laughs> shit goes down. Like, like the world gets, like, turned upside down. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Like, I definitely recommend it. Damn. If people like that kind of stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I like fictional shit. I don't know why. I just like fictional shit so much. Yeah, sometimes nonfiction gets boring. It's like good stories. I think what it is for me is that 
Like, it's literally nothing. Like, it's not even real. It came out of thin air. Yeah, it's oh, not wow. even real. Yeah. Some animes literally aren't, like, they aren't even real. Like, it's just, like, if you don't have a TV, it's non-existent. <laughs> like, you can't, like, you have no sort of screen in your life. You just went out into the woods or something. Like, it's non-existent. It's not fucking real. But goddamn, someone fucking put all this shit together and got all these people to, like, work and make this thing. And it's, like, it's like a play. You know what I mean? In the same aspect of, like, it's like, damn, this is fucking cool. But it's, like, it's not even real. It's just fake. <laughs> like it's just it's just made up like all animes that we like to watch and stuff like it's like you have such an emotional reaction to something that's not even fucking real <laughs> like I saw a meme the other day where someone said like D&D is basically like a bunch of people just sit in a room and agree to like group hallucinate together yeah, <laughs> yeah. no that's ruined the whole thing for me I mean, <laughs> damn it that's a pretty good uh, summary of it yeah yeah is there a dragon there? Sure. <laughs> yeah, we're all about to fight it, like, right, right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there to be. Oh, man. D&D's one hell of a drug. Should do it again. We should sit in a room and ramble. Oh, speaking of that, I'm trying, like, me, Seth, and Connor are trying out, like, this app. And it's basically, like, D&D, but it's, like, just, like, more, like, text-based. Like, you start like, your character and, like, there's still, like, roles and stuff built into it, like, your attacks and stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's basically like there's no like map. I don't think but it'd just be like the DM just like types out like what's in the room or like whatever like what you see, and then everyone like, oh, responds what they want to do. Fucking just reading. Well, but I mean, but it's, it's something you can just do on your phone. Oh. Like it's like just an app, and then like you don't have to get everyone together at once. You don't have to all oh, take your turns at the same time. You just like oh, I submit my turn. Wait till everyone submits their turn, and then next thing. Yeah. So like when, like we haven't tried it yet, but we want to see how it works. But if it okay. does, I was about to say like, is your stats on there too? Or is oh yeah, you you, you, you paper li- and it, right? no, yeah, you literally have a character like in the app that you make, and it's based off like I think it's based off fifth edition. What's it called? Uh, I have to look at my phone when we're done. Oh. But uh, yeah, it's like we're gonna we're gonna give it a shot here soon, and uh, if it's good, I'll let you guys know. Huh. And then we yeah. can try one. That sounds interesting. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Could be a fucking work. I'm in a D&D right now session. Well, that was the thing. There was, like, when you, like, set up a campaign, you can, like, choose, like, how many times you want people to reply a day. You could have, like, a super active one where it's, like, ten times a day or just, like, four that or, like, just good. one. You gotta make you choose your words wisely. Well, I mean, it's not like you're... I don't think you're, like, captain or anything, but... If you get four, you get four uh, sentences a day. Okay? <laughs> Dilly D! Dilly <laughs> <laughs> I sidetracked enough <clears throat> between going to the blinders. Heading over to fucking Small Heath. Mm-hmm. Small Heath, Birmingham. You got your, you got your cap on, your peaky cap? <laughs> I'm more of Abarama Gold over here. <laughs> Where's your 1919 haircut, man? Huh? Where's your 19 uh, peaky blinders haircut? I Dude, got I haven't got a haircut since, like, before 2019. <laughs> Found his fucking knees. Yeah, last time I got a haircut was like right before COVID hit America. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, Mike's been. Yeah, <laughs> Mike did have short hair back when we were working at uh, the old place. Then he grew it out. Yeah, like fucking Ronin Samurai look. It's getting pretty long too. After once you get to the ponytail stage, you really like lose it, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, I got this shit halfway down my back. All right. I can't wait till it's back down to my shoulders. Yeah, you just yeah, whatever. No, it should be well. 
I just keep, ever since you brought up Arthur, I keep thinking about that fucking scene when uh, him and, uh, oh my god, I can't think of his name. The Jew. Uh, Alfie. Yeah, <laughs> Alfie Jew. Solomon's. Like, when him and, like, Arthur, like, that right uh, there is the genuine article, Tommy. I'm old. <laughs> Testament. <laughs> like, Roy. You were killing me. <laughs> yeah, like, like, that scares me more. <laughs> that scares me more. You, he's like, you cannot lose him. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, when, when a pikey locks in with hair like that, you gotta ask yourself, have I made a mistake? Who the fuck is this? Who the fuck am I? Who the fuck is this? <laughs> the peaky fucking blinders. We're fucking getting all these fucking quotes out. From later seasons that we're not even fucking to yet, but we will get there eventually. I gotta work on my accent. Sound too much like Ray Romano. It's dude. It's it's really hard because specifically where this is actually really good. This is part of uh, where I was getting from. Where this where the actual story takes place is uh, it's called Small Heath, Birmingham. Now Birmingham in general over in the UK, like first off, people over in the UK have a different accent compared to obviously us over here but a sorry give me a second a birmingham accent is specifically like when you hear them in here like if you've ever heard this the term brummy boys and stuff like that it's because you're from birmingham it's like really fucking deep and it's a it's a specific accent over there that like they know where you're from if you're talking from birmingham so that was kind of like the thing with it is like all the actors had to be able to knock a fucking like knock down a fucking Birmingham accent to even get on the show that's part of that's part of like what you had to do you had to be able to you had to be able to talk like a brummy boy and have like a a a fucking uh, a a deep thick accent and I mean you heard like okay so you saw the first episode correct pretty much right in the beginning when when Aunt Polly holds the pistol to John's head and then she punches him and stuff yeah. you hear how deep john's accent was with that toothpick in his mouth and stuff like that fucking, like that was early on seasons fucking base on that boy yeah and even fucking you can hear it in arthur too in those early ones later on arthur starts getting deeper they all start getting deeper which like also i've doing a lot of this research for this like having a deep having like a deep baritone voice and like or like monotone and like kind of like this is kind of and like it's kind of like a birmingham thing too a lot of people around there had like really deep voices, I guess. I mean, it's probably because of what we were talking about is the factories back then. It's like they're everyone's fucking it's breathing in this nasty detail, fucking baby. Yeah, but well, also the creator. Okay, so this is this is what I'm going to get into now. Is like uh, we're not going to get into the story much. I'm going to say who the Peaky Blinders are, like what their history is in the fucking show before we get on to like what they actually did because what now what i'm about to say is the creator of peaky blinder stephen knight like he wrote this based on stories that his father told him about his father and his uncles and his grandfather like back in the day these were like when he was a kid these are the stories that his his father told him about them back in the day so it's like these old war like these old there's like some truth embedded in them but it's obviously all these characters are fictional and stuff like that. But, like, there was a gang back in the day. Like, he, he's mentioned some of his uncles. He's like, people called them the Peaky Blinders. And there was a gang back in the day that was called the Peaky Blinders. And it was just, like, kind of like a relative term for people who were, like, back in the day, street gangs were, like, real. I mean, don't get, I guess it's still correlated to, like, nowadays, too. But, like, they like to be dapper. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like they they were raised in the slums. They wanted to like look better, but they were like incredibly like violent gangs and stuff like that back in the day. Like you should be able to beat the shit out of people. Some all the time. Really weird motives for a crew. I mean, you I want to look nice. I'm gonna cap you. Yeah, a lot of them were just like they were just like that. Like they were just like run up. Like they rob you. I mean, like if someone stuff. sees you like kill someone or something, like they're not gonna be able to catch you. Yeah, there's no it. cameras back then. Yeah. Like it's real. No you know what I mean? Prints, no yeah, DNA, nothing. Yeah, you're everyone's drinking in pubs yeah. all fucking day long Shit after working in shitty conditions. Then. Yeah, there's fucking all kinds of gang violence and stuff. Even if people saw you do it, if they were, if everyone was scared of you and you're gonna come after them next, I'm not gonna say anything. It's kind yeah. of hard. To- <laughs> It's actually really funny. So, like, the real Peaky Blinders really wasn't, like, a, a crazy organized syndicate like it's made out to be in this series. However, there was a gang back in the day that somewhat was, and it was called the Birmingham Boys, and the leader of the Birmingham Boys was actually the real-life Billy Kimber. So that's how they incorporated the story of, like, Billy <laughs> Kimber in there and kind of, like... We'll get into that later as we get into the story. But Billy Kimber in the Billy first. Kimber. I'm yeah. Billy Kimber. I run the races. I'm um, have you shot against the post. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. So, yeah, he was like a real fucking person. And what and like that dude was probably the closest to being like a real organized like he ran all the races in London. He was the big shot, which is, you know, how they court, how they draw that comparison in the show. But the show covers the shelby family now the shelby family like we said earlier is fictional they're all like they're not real characters or real people but they were based off of these stories that the writer heard from his father back in the day about a family so the the people that he was talking about was called the sheldon family mm-hmm. so again it's like the the like the they're based off of people that he somewhat knew and were real, but all the actions are completely like yeah. fabricated and made up. And you'll realize this, especially with Tommy. I would say Arthur is probably the most realistic. Per- like the he, I mean, one of those dudes was probably sh- like shell shocked and extremely fucking violent, <laughs> like beating the like you, you know what I mean. Just like what Paulie says, like every fucking every boss has got to have a mad dog by his side. You know, someone to just fucking strike the fear in people's fucking hearts because he's gonna kill you. Like, but he's also nice to have. beat someone boy to death in a boxing ring and then just send them some money and then it's done with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. We'll take your other son in. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll make sure your other son gets a good job. Yeah. So again, where it takes place is called Birmingham, England. Small Heath is just like a little. It's almost like a little town and stuff like that. But ultimately, it's like the. It's where these. It's where the Peaky Blinders, the the Shelby family, grew up. And it's their territory, too. It's a, just a small little place, but it's where they run shit. Like, everybody knows who the Peaky Blinders is. They kind of run these They run these gambling dens. They're, they have a racketeering organization. They do protection type shit. So, you know, they come up. It's the type of shit where they come up, threaten you. <laughs> threaten you with fucking uh, with a bad time and then tell you that they'll protect you from men that threaten you with from a bad time but you're the one threatening me yeah but also in the way that they kind of like in the very first like season there's like a, a barman who like throughout the whole season he's like scared of tommy the main protagonist the main you know as the story goes on something good about peaky blinders is that they do really good justice with the side characters so when we talk about tommy being the main protagonist it's like the whole the the series is about the whole family but obviously there's definitely a highlight on like 
Killian Murphy as Tommy Shelby is iconic, literally. Like, he, he has absolutely stunned everyone across the world with this fucking performance with this. Uh, as well as Tom Hardy. They say, and they, those two together, like, everyone loves. Like, all, like they've oh, played in... great scenes. They've played in oh, Dunkirk. Venom's in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy. Tom Hardy. Yeah, you'll see Tom Hardy next season. Ooh. He plays Alfie Solomons. Ooh. The Jew. The Jew. Yeah. <laughs> Some, <laughs> Mr. Shelby, your brothers are here. Yeah, and, and someone else who calls himself the Wandering Jew. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh... I don't know. He's just, yeah, Tommy's just iconic. But they do a really good job at, like, doing justice to these side characters in, like, this big world that they've, you know, they've gone back in time. So another thing about, like, what I'm, like, the compare, what I'm going to draw in comparison to, like, the Shelbys are fake, but based off real. Same thing. We're back in, like, 1919. So the very start of the series takes place with that with the boys coming back from World War One, and this is like literally well, the everything. Great war at the, time. the Great War, yeah. yeah. <laughs> at this point, yeah, we have, that's great. I didn't even think about like trying to say that point. Is that to them? This is the Great War. This is the war to end all wars. Like Armistice, eleventh. Like what was it? The eleventh uh, hour, the eleventh day peace at last peace at last like you know what i mean like this was like nobody in the history of ever has ever seen warfare like these fucking boys like saw warfare and like did and had to like go about it and everything and that's everything in this whole series like after these boys came back like everything no well that's what they say no one came back well something that i thought like i was listening to like one of those dan carlin history podcasts and they said like he said that uh Basically, like, when people went to World War One, they would go into war like, war like it was a 17th century still. And fucking, like, rifled, like, line units, bit like, white gloves, big poofy hats, like, officers on horses, like, leading the charge, that kind of thing. And to, then... To trench warfare and tanks within four years. Yes. Like... that, And, they, and, and that's what, like, you'll even see, there's another section that I'm going to go over in my notes here about a certain part. Like, there's something... There's a very certain aspect of Tommy and his personality and who he was in the war and stuff like that. And I want to go into, like, how crazy the, these people are in actuality of, like, this is fucking nuts. And that's a good highlight on it. It's like, that's fucking true. These motherfuckers were literally going in. This is the death of the old world. Like, it's literally yeah. the death of the old world and the modern world came out after. It. And they fucking had to figure it out in yeah. the midst of killing each other like this. Like, it's it's just like nobody... When we, I mean, take it back to episode one where you're talking about Amon Gert and everything like that. It's like no one's seen this type of scale of just like barbarism and just like how terrible these fucking these fucking conditions were for these motherfuckers. Especially like gas things being introduced for the first time and stuff like that too. Like crazy. Oh man, I just can't wait for you to finish it. <laughs> can't wait for you to get through it, man. Oh man, <laughs> you're in for it, dude. I'm telling you, bro. Woo! Anybody's in for it. If you're if you're if you're listening to this podcast right now, which by the time we actually get to this podcast releasing, Peaky Blinders might be on fucking Netflix. <laughs> might be on Netflix with everything. Um, but if you, if you're fucking watching it and you're trying to finish it, y'all are in for some shit. I'm telling you, it's fucking awesome. So, the boys came back from war. Now, like. Obviously, during the war, there was stuff going on back here, and there's a lot of like 
a lot of women doing that because all the boys are over at war. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, how many? Uh, do you know more about like the age limits that were sent off to war in World War One? I? I mean, it was still pretty young, like some like fourteen yeah. sometimes. Like. Yeah, so we got fourteen. But how about like old? Oh, Could yeah, you be yeah, six, like, sixty? Yeah, towards like the, the end of it, it was pretty much everyone. Like we need everyone. So <laughs> like, there you go. There's that point. So anyway, what I'm saying is that the gang was around before the war, but these men had like such a like sense of camaraderie and like sense of duty to their country, especially back then. It's like they had to do this. They had to, you know, they had to fight. It's funny they use it against other people, like. Who didn't serve It's one of those things It's one of those things Back in the day Where that was a great insult To say someone like Oh I heard you didn't serve well, We <laughs> talked about that too Remember like When the GIs came back From World War 2 Yeah They were like Arguing with like The sheriffs and shit. Yeah they were arguing With the sheriffs like, Who had fucking Especially who did. like the black ones Who were like Well we just went And fought and died For our country in World War 2 Now we're gonna come back And not even treat us Like citizens like, Yeah Like that bro Yeah <laughs> Like and also It's like also At the time It's like when you've seen War like that It's like What's stop? Well, yeah, what do you get? What is this fucking sheriff gonna do to me? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, I'll fucking go and I'll, I'll set my machine gun up in the fucking trenches out in the fucking mountain again. I'll fuck you up, man. <laughs> that was a great episode. Anyway, the boys come back. The Shelby, they had they had this racketeering organization that was still run by members of the family and stuff like that. It's crazy. It's like, fucking hell, man. Yeah. Um, you talking about the peaky fucking blinders there? <laughs> 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 That's awesome. <laughs> the boys come back. Who are the boys? Who is the Shelby family? The infamous, the infamous peaky blinders. And um, the oldest is Arthur, which I, I've actually gone through and found supposed. I don't know if all of these are going to be like 100% accurate, but I did my best to try to go through and find accurate dates of birth for the characters. So we know like around how old these motherfuckers are, because sometimes like as you're going through the years, these motherfuckers seem like they're not aging at all. <laughs> like, and it's like and then like you have like characters like Finn who like grow up like super fast between one season. Yeah. And the, OK, so you've seen his little brother. Yeah. Finn, how he like holds up the cigarette in the first. And he's like, what does a 10 year old know? The whole next series he's a completely different actor. And he's like, <laughs> like he looks like he's like fucking like sixteen at least. Like, yeah, it's like one of those kids who hit puberty. I like Finn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's fucking it's funny as shit. But okay, so yeah, this, the Arthur is the oldest. He's born in 1887. So at the end of the whole series, it makes him 46. So at the beginning, right here, hmm. it it makes him like like mid 30s. So yeah, yeah, something like that. I'm not doing math right now. I took too many buckets. Yeah. Um, after Arthur, who's the first oldest, is Tommy. He was born in 1890, which at the end of everything made him. I think 39 or something like that. Mm. Yeah, I think that might be it. Might be like 39 or something like that. Then their younger brother, John Shelby, he was born in 1895. Uh, this is this is the good one. Aunt Polly, Elizabeth, which her also name was like her married name was Elizabeth Gray and her maiden name was Shelby, but they call her Aunt Polly. They always call her Aunt Paul, Polly, something like that. She was born in 1884. So Aunt Polly's only three years older than Arthur Hmm. and only six years older than uh, Tommy. 
So that was something for the whole crew. Cause like they've mentioned her birthday multiple times. I know a lot of people kind of like, yo, how old are these motherfuckers? Like how, like they were in the war, but then like with all the events that actually happened throughout the series, that's what I mean. It's like, they kind of seem like they're not aging or something like that. And it's like, then aunt Polly is like their aunt, but she doesn't, but she kind of seems like close to their age. And that's uh, that she was. She's only three years older than her, according to what? According to my research. Uh, then Ada Shelby, she was born in 1897, and um, Finn was born in 1908. So Finn was actually like fucking nine years. He's right. young. And- I mean, not. I mean, I'm trying to like compare him to the other guys. He's. I mean, he's like 13 years younger, or thir- yeah, 13 years younger than John. He's fucking 18 years younger than Tommy. Makes him, like, fucking even, well, you know what I mean? Like, big family. <laughs> and they did end, so so they have the four brothers, Thomas, Arthur, John, Finn. But they also have Ada, the sister. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple of honorable mentions. Members of the family honorable mentions. We mentioned Charlie Strong, which I also found in this one place that he's non-biological. They have, like, this one place where I was doing research listed him as a non-biological uncle. Yeah, that's the way it always seemed like in the... It was just, see, to me, it was different because he actually called him uncle. Well, I mean, it seemed like it was just one of those things where he was, like, a family friend since they were little kind of deal. So, I'm going to go on a tirade right here for a second because this is where it always led me is like if he was a true show, it was either like either that like he's kind of like an adopted uncle. Like that's just the way it always seems. He had a different last name. He had like see, I never knew. See, I took strong as his name is Charlie Strong, their uncle. I never took I, I don't know why I didn't think strong was his last name. I thought it was like one of those like weird surnames that you give to someone. You know what I mean? I didn't I, I, I don't know why I never thought of it as like his last fucking name. I always literally always just thought he was their biological uncle. And then there's the one scene where he mentions that he was in love with Tommy's mom. And I was like, OK, so weird. But good where, yeah, where I want to <laughs> where I want to go with that is that now that you're their father's brother, right? Which would also make him Polly's brother because her maiden name is Shelby. Yeah. So I was like, but there. But then also I was like, okay, on the flip side, if it's not, if Strong is his last name, that could possibly be, be that could possibly be Tommy's mom's last name oh, if maybe. he's her brother. Yeah, maybe. But then that would also make him a little incest. I mean. And I don't want to think. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Yeah, <laughs> but it really seemed like that what I just like with the with the whole mood of the show and everything like that. It would really seem really irrelevant to do that in that time. Like yeah. so irrelevant and to it, write like, that. Never even like matter. Exactly. So now in in yeah. So it's like it's never really stated, and I haven't found an interview with the writer to find out if Charlie's actually a biological. Uh, I always just because you know what always made me think he was a real uncle. He always mentions Charlie as an uncle and Curly as just Curly. He even says he's like and whatever Curly is. Well, I think that's just like, because Curly's like touched in the head. Yeah, but still, I just like he always he, there's always a distinction between he always called Charlie his uncle, and it's just like if he what like he's special. What did he do 
that he's in the family. Well, I think it's just one of the things that he's been like with them forever. Like he was like like their dad and shit when they were all growing up. Like still like running yeah. stuff. And then it's just kind of like his dad died, and Charlie's still just so just maybe he was like a, yeah, maybe he was like an old fucking ally of fucking Arthur that's, Shelby Senior. That's what I think. Yeah, hmm. and he's just been like he's literally like been with them forever. See, I'm just like I—I I was like blown away when it's just like I'm thinking about like I never thought that he wasn't their biological. But then that gave me all those questions as to like who—who who the fuck is he? Where did he come from? Like which side of the family is he from, or something like that? Because family's everything. Uh, another thing that's everything in this thing well, is like, like Johnny Dog. Johnny Dog doesn't actually like their family, but yeah, I get that. Yeah, it makes sense. He's like the older Johnny Dogs. Dude, I can't wait for you to watch season six. It's fucking amazing. Cause that's an I, I'm gonna what I'm gonna go back. <laughs> I'm gonna go back to another thing. Is like the end of the series really like it gave cool endings for the side characters. Like what I said, yeah, they, they give them good that. treatment and everything. It's like even at the end of the series, they still made side characters matter, and it was fucking awesome, dude. It was really people. I've seen online that people yeah, are up you about know, the ending. Sucks when one of your favorite characters just become irrelevant. All yeah, of a yeah. Or when it's like gone. the last thing happens is like uh, no explanation. You that, don't see him. Nope, that There's was no episode. point. There's and it's like there, and everything leading up to that really like got you to like believe that they were gonna be there or at least just you know what I mean, just something. But it's just like nope. Because they can help carry the story, and some people just look like all right. At some that's, point, we got to give them their episode, and then. That's what I mean. Like, in my head, the scene that I'm thinking about that's going to make Mike be like, yeah, this is fucking, like, hell yeah, man. Like, that was fucking pretty cool. Like, that, like, I don't know. Like, it's like it's exactly that. Like, it's exact. It's just like, when I saw it, it just made me think. I was like, dude, that's so cool that they did that. It's so cool that they, like, did that that way. And it was just, yeah. Anyway. So that's the family. We have Charlie Strong, who we can't figure out if it's biological or not. Then Charlie Strong in his fucking, uh, in his metal yard, metal scrap yard. The funny, the funniest fucking thing ever is Tommy's explanation of his scrap yard. He he's like, you st- haven't lost yet. Yep. <laughs> he's like, you stand in a, you stand in a scrap yard full of stolen metal and try to talk to me as a politician. He's like, oh, Charlie doesn't steal things. He merely finds them before they're lost. <laughs> this is like, oh, you motherfucker. It's so funny. Um, so in that fucking scrap yard, he has like a little helper and it's not, and he's, they all, like what Mike said earlier is like they say he's touched in the head. He's curly. He's like he's good with horses. Like he just kind of like he's just a little slow. Like he's you can yeah. tell. Like you can tell he's one of those dudes that like he can like he can go about his day and take care of himself. But he's just like not. He's a full grown man, but he's just not there. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's not. He's slow. Like and he, he's actually a really good supporting character. Like he's so funny all the time. Oh, he yeah, does yeah, like he's definitely a cool character. It's hilarious. And that that the part that I really do like about him is like yeah he's the best with the horses around here. <laughs> when they bring like that trainer in, oh yeah, it's like Curly's half horse himself. Oh, yeah, <laughs> he always just like he he's always like saying like little fucking like little things about like I don't even know how to like say him like old like wives old wives tales about like horses and like I don't like when they do this or something like that or or he's bad Tom like I I told you because you did this he the was gonna be don't like him Tom yeah <laughs> like yeah he's always like spooked by the horse's aura or something like that. 
but all these gypsies are. They're a family of gypsies. That's what eventually we'll get to. And then the last member of the family that we'll talk about is Michael Gray, which Michael Gray, if you were paying attention before, is Aunt Polly's biological son. In her first marriage, she it was like implied that she had a marriage beforehand, and she had two children, and they were taken from the state from her. Which becomes like a narrative in the first in you know the first couple of seasons. Oh my alley money. Yeah. So uh, uh, Michael Gray uh, eventually comes into the fold, but not until about I think it's season two is when uh, he comes into play. So that's the whole family. Oh, Michael was also born in 1903, which also makes him five years older than Finn. So if anyone cares about that. Uh, other honorable mentions is Jeremiah Jesus and Isaiah, mm-hmm. which I also look somewhere. He is literally listed as Jeremiah Jesus. Oh, perfect. Jesus. It's fucking awesome. Jeremiah Jesus and Isaiah. Johnny Dogs we mentioned earlier. which love is Johnny Dogs. Johnny Dogs is the best character in Peaky Blinders. Yeah, He'll love Johnny great. Dogs. Um, he's like a... Him into the fair, Tom. <laughs> you know what I heard the other day? He was like... He's like, Johnny, he's like, you need to go find, he's like, you got to find the kin of Aboriginal Gold. He's like, the Furies, they stay in the black patch. He's like, not the Furies, Tom. They don't even use fucking words to talk. Just fucking growls and howls and shit. He's like, he's like, if you don't get up there, someone's going to die. And he's like, yeah, and it's going to be fucking me. <laughs> he's just such a, he's such a great supporting character. He does, he has a bunch of like comedy in it. Johnny Dogs, Scudboat, yeah. rest in peace, Scudboat. Scudboat didn't die. He just randomly stopped being in the show, and no one knows why. <laughs> like Aww. he was a good, he was a man in like their their gambling den. Like he helped them out doing stuff like that. And in season one, he had like a couple of like scenes and a couple of lines, and then all of a sudden he just faded. They, they just faded. got rid of this character. Yeah, he probably like sent something to her so he didn't bring him back or something. And he's just like he's one of those ones that just like they never brought back. They never did anything with. What about Danny Wizbang? I have Danny Wizbang next. Danny Wizbang. Danny Wizbang, we call him that because uh, a Wizbang was like uh, a term that they that they used back in the war in the Great War for like grenades and different stuff. I like think it was like the whistling show specifically that they would have yeah. that would go like yeah, and then it would fucking explode so you could hear it coming and then. It would- everyone but they but these men came back shell-shocked so they called him danny Wizbang because also back then like these people didn't have any fucking recollection or any fucking sympathy or empathy for like mental illness like if you were sick in the head you were looked at as like you were looked down upon like you know what i mean like you were look, like you were some like some sort of scum or like you couldn't you know what i mean like you're just weak yeah, you were you were a weak person. You need to fucking put that shit in the back seat and not fucking worry about it. And they didn't understand like the implications of PTSD, fucking shell shock. Like, and these men come back and they're shell shocked. So they call him Danny Wizbang because he's aggressively shell shocked, and he has these episodes where he starts freaking out. Like in the very first episode, he comes into the bar and he starts freaking out, and he's just like, ah! like they're gonna get me, fucking they're gonna get me. And Tommy fucking Tommy has to put him on the ground, and he's like, you're not a Wizbang. Like chill, like relax. Like you gotta calm down, and he just he wakes up and he doesn't even realize that he did it. He like looks at him, he's like, "Did I do it again?" He's like, "You did it again, Danny." Yeah. <laughs> and back then, it's like these motherfuckers are just like, "Geez, dude." Like, I mean, they don't get me wrong; they do have sympathy. It's their friend; they understand. Like, he's fucked up in the head, but it's also like it's there's plenty of times where you see you it's, see the it's same everyone else that doesn't care about you. Like, yeah, there, well, there's even sometimes where like okay, like Arthur, 
Like, obviously, Arthur's the same way. And Tommy is just like, dude, you don't think I got enough? Like, come on, put a fucking bottle on it, dude. You got to fucking grow up. Like, we all got shit we're going through. Yeah, and it's like, it's kind of just like the same thing. Is like, I mean, also it's true. Like, you see the whole yeah. time, like, Tommy's going through his struggles with, like, being the tunneler and stuff. And then, yeah. like, while well, he's trying to deal with everyone else's problems. Bang, you hit it. Another honorable mention before we get to that part is Freddie Thorne, which Freddie Thorne in the, in, uh, he only plays in one season, but honestly, he's one of my favorite characters from the first season and everything because he just, I don't know, he did really good playing yeah. that part. Like, he was <laughs> a com. cool, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's a communist agitator. So back then, yeah. communism is on, like, not on, like, crazy on the rise, I don't want to say, but it's, it's, is it like even like fledgling steps? Really? Yeah, these these fucking young men who just went off to war. A, actually, a great fucking what I'm remembering. A great line from it is when Freddie's talking to all these. He, he's he's organizing a strike and he's talking to all like all their comrades and all the members of the communism party who have to meet in secret because they have like they have like police orders to arrest these men. Like that's how serious it is back then, and like kind of how the police can just do whatever the fuck they want for you meeting up in a fucking congregation of people. <laughs> um, so not, but he says not, not much different than now. Yeah. So they realize so that you can hear in the background a whistle goes off, and you can hear that the police are about to come and try to arrest these men. And he's like, "You hear that? The same whistle they used to they used to blow us over the top with. Now they start to fucking cut your wages and all this stuff. So communist for these people just went off the fucking war, and then they come back to some motherfuckers who never even even served and they own these companies that they work for for shit fucking wages like you know what i mean like they like government's not taking care of them they come back they can't fucking live they live in squalor it's fucking for shit they're fucking these men are living lavishly who fucking you know what i mean who own the company but don't fucking work like or anything they, they were fucking like officers in the war and they just yeah and there was no 40 hours a week back then either like you're working long ass fucking days like obviously mandatory overtime you're not getting paid for it like it's just bad, and these men were fucking mad. So communism was something that was, like, fucking huge. And I just, I don't know, I love Freddy's character because, not saying I agree with any, like, I'm not trying to say any of that shit, but just the way that the characters played and stuff like that, it's it's interesting. The word manitaria overtime really bothers me. <laughs> what does? Huh? What does? I already forgot. Means a mandatory overtime. Yeah. Mandatory overtime? Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. Is it really overtime if it's just, like, the regular hours now? Do you think they get overtime pay? <laughs> Fuck no. What did they get paid back then? Shit. Like, well, what is... Like, where? What is the value of a dollar back then? Like, was that a lot? Oh, for sure. Well, you're also talking... Pound, but yeah, yeah, you're talking about a pound, a shilling, a, a fucking... Yeah, they, they're gonna be paid, like, shillings a day. Two so, like, pence. Yeah. There's, what is it? Pence? I don't know. I can't. I'm sorry. I apologize to anyone in the UK that's listening to this. I don't. I. I don't know how your money system all works. But like, yeah, back in like 1900, like a pound, like a singular pound would be. If like you gave some money, there's like there's plenty of, money, of but like a decent amount of money. Okay, there's a time where he tells a girl, he's just like, listen, like you're gonna come with me to this one event, and I'm gonna pay you this much, and I think it was like two pound, and he's like, and she was like, what do you like? What do you want me to do? And he's like, for two pound, you'll do what I tell you. Think about that. That's like that's pro- literally probably like two dollars nowadays. No, yeah, it, like it literally is two dollars. Like. Literally, literally handing someone two dollar bills and being like, "Yo, for two dollars, you'll do what I fucking tell you." Suck that dick clean, man, for the two pounds, man. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and she even goes the one thing, and she's like, "I don't think I'm gonna go." He's like, "What?" And he's like, "Not for three. 
<laughs> if you want me to wear a nice dress, you're going to give me three pounds. He's like, all right. But it's just like a pound. You know what I mean? Like there's plenty of times where like, I think there's another time where he's talking to a prostitute and he's like, that's eight bloody pounds. There's <laughs> like eight bloody pounds for a prostitute to go off and fucking risk your safety. Like it's funny. Like, I don't, it's just, I don't know. It's wild to think of like the world. Like we're literally a hundred years after this, after this whole thing takes place. Like just now, we are literally a hundred years after, and think it like when you as you watch the series, just think think about like <laughs> think about like where we're at in the world. It's like where's the Uber at? <laughs> there's a there's a point where they're bringing che- uh, uh, the inspector into the town, and it's like so like at nighttime, and the taxi's like. That's it. I don't go no further. Yeah. <laughs> not in small heath. Yeah, no, especially not after dark. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's, he's like, I don't go any further. Y'all, you get out here, man. <laughs> and it's just like, it's kind of, it sucks because like, we don't mean to glorify these gangsters because just like we were saying, they're kind of the reason why these places are living in squalor. Like they take up all the fucking money, and they do it by force. Like I'm not trying to say that they're like businessmen who just take opportunity like they literally they're racketeering they're breaking they're breaking the law but they're also like bribing policemen to let them do it they're working with their i mean they're fucking blackmailing policemen they're working with policemen like these are the highest like they're they're gangsters you know what i mean it's just an interesting time yeah yeah and that's what they do they try to like form this like crazy time and they make this fucking fictional family and they take this protagonist tommy and they make him like this super genius like, I don't want to say, like, they make him, like, it's not like he, they sit there and he's, like, doing math inside of his head. But it's just, like, from his experiences in the war and just him in gen- like, his character in general, you can tell he's one of those dudes, like, he's above his time. He's ahead of everybody that's in front of him. Like, Scheme like a motherfucker. Yeah, he plans everything. He's one of those dudes where, like, in real life, some people can, like, strategize and understand, like, they can... Like, they can think of both sides of the coin in a situation and then act, you know what I mean, and plan and think, like, think ahead and fucking manipulate events and stuff like that. That's where they really go with Tommy, and it's fucking awesome. Like, that whole part with, like, the list of, like, people who would buy Fabergé eggs is, like, such a great example of that. Oh, yeah. And I already know that the the one person's name you would leave off that list. So Tommy's trying to find... Tommy's trying to figure out... Someone double-crossed him, and he's not exactly sure who at this point. There's, There's a few people that knew a certain bit of information. But what he does is that he... Someone that he... That he thinks might have backstabbed him. He asks him to get a list of names for him as a certain thing. In the back, he's already got, he's already went to like very reputable people and has this information that he already has. But the dude left, like, met up with him perfectly fine, acted like he didn't lie to him, and he gave him a list of fucking names. But he left a list off the name, which Tommy puts together as like, this is the dude that's fucking, that's fucking me over. You fucking helped him, blah, blah. Like, he's just, he's ahead of it. He knows things. Like, he's, (laughs) I want to use a phrase, but I, but, uh, no one will get it here. It's it's his, uh in season six. Fans of season six is his old fucking racehorse. Moral turpitude. <laughs> moral turpitude. He says he bring he has many horses in his stable, but every now and then he brings moral turpitude out to fuck with people. It's funny. Yeah. So ultimately, they're a family of gypsies. Like that's their that's their heritage. That's where they came from, and that's everything back then. I I, I mentioned this earlier, but it's uh I want to get into it. Is like what we said about like if you're a gypsy, that's like a thing. 
like people some people make a huge deal about it gypsies chill with gypsies italians chill with italians jews chill with jews and that's usually like i'm not saying like it's like all segregated like that obviously people talk and mingle and stuff like that but when it comes to these gangs that's how it is like in the very first episode tommy does something with chinese people and arthur's got a problem with it he's like we don't fuck with Chinese. And he's just like, shut, you know, Tommy's just like, fuck off, dude. Like, that's a, that's a dumb way of thinking. Like we can use her, you know what I mean? We can use this situation to benefit us. You're not thinking outside of the box and fucking, but, but that's everything back then. You know what I mean? Like these fucking gangs are all like race based basically is what I'm getting at. So there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of slang. There's a lot of fucking racial slurs on people. It's, it's pretty violent too. You you see everything. Like all the all the fucking action, all the killings and stuff like that. Like they don't shirk on it. Like they show it to you and you stuff. Explain why they call them the Peaky Blinders. Yeah, yeah, fair, but, but stupid. I, I mean, I was going through their history and I should have fucking got there, but or I should have said it from the beginning. The reason why they're called Peaky Blinders in the show, where I'm going to go with this, the reason in real life is because it was good, like being a Peaky Blinder was like that dapper gangster I was talking about is like, they would come up and fuck you up. They were like a blinder. You know what I mean? But, or no, actually I think the peaky is, is the one that's on it. They would wear the suits, which made them the blinder. Cause I think that's what they called them back then. I'm not 100% sure on that. Again, people in the UK, I apologize. I had little time to do. I was trying to do research on that, but I wanted to get into like UK culture and stuff like that because of their, um, attire but they have these uh these brim cats these peak caps that was like real fashionable for the working class back then and in the show they sew razor blades on the inside of their caps kind of like uh i can't exactly remember when this was but uh they used to do it in the inside of coat jackets hmm. because when people came went in those uh same kind of styles they wear in peaky blinders because when they came up and someone grabs you that's what it was. They came having a fistful of razor blades. Yep, you're cutting up your fucking hands and stuff like that. So, but the reason why they call them Peaky Blinders is because they had these fucking razor blades sewed in their caps, and they didn't give a fuck about your eyes, bro. That was their signature thing. Like if you really crossed the Peaky Blinders, it was you take their eyes. There's a fucking like in the show. They just come up to people, grab like the fucking back of their hat, and just like whip it at someone's <laughs> face, and just catch them with the razor blades right across the eyes. Oh, very unrealistic, yeah, dude. Very. Oh, actually, oh, you dude. saw the first episode. Yeah. In the very next episode, you're about to see it. Like you are literally like right when you first start the next episode. You're. They don't do see it a lot, like in the later seasons. It's really like in the early seasons, but. Murder. Yeah, because later on, it's again. Um, I'm going to say this right off the bat is like because some people have a problem with it. Later on in episodes, Tommy, be, Tommy becomes a politician, so like people hate that it goes into politics and stuff like that. But let me make this one thing clear: there is no bigger gangster than your politicians. Like that, what, what, like when you have gang territory in in like a certain like say you have gang territory in a state, what else is there to do but take over the state? Like. It's it's just simple, like you know what I mean. Like as much as you don't really feel like it, like now it like and it's always been like that. Like the more civilized we become, like it's like you gotta fuck politics. You gotta fuck over someone to make it easier for someone else. Like yeah, I mean to lead to the Romans, you know, like <laughs> they wouldn't know anything about that. They don't like you. They all just got up and stabbed you right in the middle of the fucking Senate floor. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like they do. The, it's like it's the it's the biggest form of fucking gangsterism as there fucking is. That's not even a word. I don't care. 
That's what all the big. So that's what I say to that because, like, it really. I think later on in seasons, like the people who think it, it's fucked up because they get into politics, it's like you got to fucking realize that these are fascists and Nazis. Like, what? What do you mean? What do you mean? Like, this is the craziest fucking gang in the fucking like of the modern fucking time for it. Like, and he just naturally progresses. Like, you go from running like little gambles to running the racetracks to fucking running booze to fucking running. And that's a and that's a big thing about Tommy is like when he came back from the war, he's like shattered. When I said earlier, like no one came back is like he. There people talk about Tommy like beforehand when he was like he used to smile a lot more. He used to love horses. He used to be like a fun kind of like loving kid and stuff. But after that war, it really like something snapped in him where it's like okay. First off, you're in the army. So it's like everything people don't like as much as we're like making it up to be like a gory, like a gory mess. You're also in the military. They, they teach you fucking structure. They, like, you know what I mean? Like everything is very, everything works for a fucking reason. It's why I fucking, they were even, even able to win the war. Like what I'm going to talk about his tunneling and like in the real life, like what it was too. It's like, it's, it's fucking insane actually to think that like, the tactics that they had to use back then and R- stuff. Fucking running around with murder fedoras. But yeah, he was, he, yeah. But, you know, in the war, like, that snapped him. Like, that made him, like, turn into someone else. Like, and just kind of not give a fuck anymore. Yeah. So now he, like, again, he's just, like, an exceptionally smart person. But now he has this, like, ma, this, like, I don't want to say murder mentality, even though that's basically. It's just more like, like the mentality of, like, I'll just do what it takes and like it's not gonna stop me. Like it doesn't yeah. matter what it is, I'll yeah. just do it because I he's have a, to do it. Yeah, he's a soldier. He's a soldier. He he's kinda like that I see what needs to get done, I'm gonna do it. But he also ha- but he comes back and you know, they're still gangsters. It's still like a you know what I mean? It's not like a rifle type soldier fucking trope or something like that. Don't like kill that man. Yeah, yeah, that like that very much like these are the bad guys. Like I like we're like the series kind of glorifies it and stuff like that. And when we talk about it, it's going to seem like we're glorifying this because it's a great series, like, like on TV. It's like, but these are bad men. These are not good guys. <laughs> like the whole basis of Peaky Blinders is that Tommy's bad and he wants to become good, but he can't. And like, even like the quote unquote, like good guys in the show, they're not really that great yeah. either. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. The good, like that's another thing is like what you show is like the politicians and stuff like that. Winston Churchill's in it a lot. And you see like, people up then for okay i mean i'm not talking about winston churchill's like i'm not going to get into winston churchill's past i know winston churchill as one cool thing i learned about winston churchill actually was like he participated in like the last like actual like cavalry charge ever like yeah he served like i mean like he served like in like an actual cavalry where they had lances and like dudes in armor. the last one ever in history pretty much like wow one of like the last like actual like cavalry charges that's like, impressive. It's when they were like fighting in Africa, like in the Zulu Wars and shit, like shit like that. Oh, fuck were you like, in Africa? Yeah, dude. Like you <laughs> again, dude. There's a lands, there's like. a funny part. There's a funny part where like there's a chief inspector who's like trying to like Tommy knows is like he's trying to fuck with him and stuff like that, and he knows that he's reporting to Churchill. So what he does is that he just writes a fucking letter to Churchill, <laughs> and he knows that Churchill's like whole cabinet. Like I'll go to your boss. He basically knows that like he even like over you. he basically what what he does is like he he writes this letter, and obviously is like if he writes this letter about this guy who's employing him and stuff like that, he's probably gonna read it out loud. So he does, and his whole cabinet's there and stuff like that, but also full of you know 
men that served and this inspector didn't serve so he so he says stuff in it like oh mr churchill i heard that you served in the war with the men <laughs> like you know what i mean they use this thing to like kind of ridicule him and stuff like that and this is actually where they bring up um why i brought up this conversation specifically this conversation happens in season two but i brought it up specifically because winston churchill reads tommy's demands out to this cabinet of men who served and Tommy had won medals in the war for gallantry for like literally saving thousands of men's lives in his actions and stuff like what he did as a tunneler. Winston Churchill, like fucking, he mentions the battles that he was like a part of and who he saved and why he won those medals. And then Winston Churchill tells the members of his cabinet, like raise your hand if you were at this battle and like men raise their hand. He's like, now raise your hand if you're at this battle. They raise their hand. So every man in that fucking room raised their hand except for that and is a person that owes their fucking life to Tommy fucking Shelby yeah. at this point. And fucking, they don't even know it. Like, he says that, and then Winston Churchill's like, Thomas Shelby was a tunneler. And these guys, and you just see their fucking expression like, fuck, man. Like, <laughs> this motherfucker saved our asses. And the and that's why I want to get into this is because, like, in real like. Tommy was a tunneler and these motherfuckers were the craziest motherfuckers in my opinion ever dude in 1914 it was um the Germans were actually the first ones they dug tunnels under a significant space I don't I can't remember the exact I didn't write it down I remember reading it on Wikipedia, but the German in 1914, the Germans like dug tunnels and fucking and put dynamite. I don't know if it was exactly dynamite, but they put a shit ton of explosives under this one hill and fucking blew it to smithereens. And that's when the British were like, fuck, we have to figure out how to fucking counter this. And fucking there was a dude What's really like the history of what I'm getting into is the history of tunneling, a brief history, a very brief history of tunneling. Um, but just to just prove like how fucking like crazy that is. Like, not only are you like, like what Mike said is like, now you're going from warfare from like lances and horses and stuff like that to trench warfare where like you're in a trench and a tank is literally driving over you. And you're also got fucking muskets at your head and bombs and, and like chemical warfare and stuff like that. But motherfuckers might be burying under you to blow the fucking ground up from the from below you up like blow an entire fucking hill like insane and in, absolutely fucking insane come, come like there's fucking planes there's fucking tanks and they come from under yeah the like what like it's nowhere safe yeah like what are you supposed to do you can't fuck you wake up you can't like you're fucked man but Germans. but the tunnelers you're underground same thing is like if that explodes or anything like if you're not doing that right like there's cave-ins. Random, like, shell from above just explodes. Yep. Cave collapses. They find out where you're at because that became a thing. Anyway, what I was getting to is that they there was a... Uh, entrance hole. <laughs> after the 19... <laughs> after the 1914, when the Germans... When the Germans blew that one hill, it warranted the creation of eight tunneling companies. So immediately, the British made eight tunneling companies to try to figure out how to counter all hey, this uh, stuff. You boys, you boys are digging now. Yeah, and it was a man by the name of John Norton Griffiths. He was an MP and founder of the Royal Engineers. Brought forth an idea of clay kicking. So this is why I brought this up because they mention, like, with me not knowing so much about the time when I originally watched the show. 
they always mention clay kickers. So I'm like, okay, this is just like a funny name that they, okay, sorry, I don't mean to be, I don't mean to say if it's funny because it might have been an insult back then, but this is like one of those names that they give to tunnelers because they just call them clay kickers. But clay kicking was, this is the funny part, was like the technique of tunneling that gave the British such an advantage. Like this guy, John Norton Griffiths, he had, he had renewed contracts to dig sewers in fucking England. And that's when he, like what he did, like him and his crew did clay kicking because the clay in that fucking area where he was doing it was the best for that area. Same as flounders. So he brought forth the idea to like do this and it fucking, once everyone was trained up, it literally gave like the Germans were the first ones to do this and blow up a fucking hill. But these guys literally, I think. I'm pretty sure what I what I saw was or what I read was the British could dig eight meters a day tunneling to the Germans, too. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, bro. From coming from behind, too. You know what I mean? So like this. T- so clay kicking, when you hear it in there is like this is the fucking thing that like saved the fucking British. And even at that, it didn't like save them, save them because the fucking Germans eventually like all these tactics caught on. They found out ways that they could... Oh, you capture someone, you just get a spy in the Yeah. It's like, it's... Yeah. But what I was saying is, another thing is, like, clay kicking was a way to, like, it was quieter and stuff like that. There was a... I, I didn't look up the entire way because I don't want to get too deep into it, but, like, the, the Germans were still using picks. So, like, when you hear Tommy talk about that, about the picks that he hears and yeah. stuff like that, it's like... That was a way that, like, the British were using to find the German tunnels. And then they found other tools. They found you could stick, like, a metal rod in your mouth and stick it in the earth, and then you could you could feel the vibrations. And then they found machines. Yeah, yeah. There's other There was other methods, too, that they used That's early on, cool. and then there was a machine that they eventually found out where they said, like, one person could, like, basically, like, check 18 tunnels for if there was actual. So basically it became a stalemate. Eventually, like this tunneling was like scary, but uh, but it was almost like it was uh, like they kept just sitting there watching people tunneling. No one's going to tunnel. Yeah. Like everyone kind of like tunnels out throughout their fucking area and gains ground when they can. But it's never like, you know what I mean? But don't get me wrong. There are these squirmishes in between. Like, like I said, like when you're hearing from the picks and stuff like that, sometimes tunnelers would come together. Oh, and in, yeah, and in the series, that's a big thing. It happened to Tommy, and it's kind of like why he's like is the way he is. The, he was in a one. He was in a tunnel collapse, which they they only highlight on that a couple of fucking times. Yeah. But the main one that you see is he has these flashbacks. He's very damaged, and he has these fucking flashbacks of PTSD of him in the tunnel where these Germans fucking he hear like what we were talking about earlier. He says how he hears the picks when he goes home and when he goes to bed at night, he can't sleep because he hears the picks in the yeah, wall. He's just like laying in his bedroom and like, he just hears like tick, tick, tick. And then like, it'll like pan out a shot to see like people on like the other side, like looks like they're digging a tunnel. Like, yep, the like shot. tick, 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 tick. And he's like, I hear him. And then it flashes to like him in the fucking him, Danny Wizbang and Freddie Thorne, who were all tunnelers in a tunnel underground just watching a dirt wall in front of them waiting for a fucking guy to come through and kill them. Like, just like, I just put that in that perspective for motherfuckers who just like, you, like, you think you got problems. You don't got that bad of problems sometimes. Like, 
Don't get me wrong. People do. But sometimes some of you motherfuckers need to realize that your problems ain't that bad. You're just fucking sitting there waiting for the first time you crack to come through. And you're just fucking hitting it with whatever you got. And, and, and that's a big scene of like a part of like Tommy's PTSD that you see in the fucking show is like they did. The Germans came through and he was attacked underground like that. And him and Freddy, they all had to like fight their way through. Now in this, like basically... It was another action in the war that caused this, but it's actions like that that made Tommy, what I'm saying is that made Tommy the way he is, is that he he doesn't care anymore. Like, he was dead in the war. They are. He went to war, and everything that happened to him, he thoroughly expected to never come back. Well, like that tunnel collapse you're talking about, like, only three of them made it out of his entire company of men. So, like, they Three were of them were buried, the whole company of men was buried alive, and three of them buried, dug their way out from the yeah. tunnel beneath that blue. So he's always like, well, I should have been a dead man already. Kind of thing. Yeah. Like their whole, like everything that happened to him, he was, he's already accepted death. He's already like, yo, like this is like, um, the rest is just gravy. Yep. The rest is extra. <laughs> and that's exactly how, like, I don't know. I, I like to emphasize on that because it's like, people don't understand. Like, that's a big part of Tommy. Sometimes I've talked to people about this and they're just like, I don't get why he's like that, dude. Like, what they talk, like, he was so nice. Like, people don't just change like that. It's just like, dude, like, when you, like, when you're all, like, when, like, I don't know. Like, there's, there's a lot of, like, major events, like, digging yourself out of your own grave. Yeah, when you spend like, four years digging in the Great War, it kind of changes you. Yeah, like, so, like, there's many major events that change people all the fucking time. And it's very, like, when you're, like, just because before he didn't use his knowledge in a strategic way. And then the war taught him strategy and brutalized him so bad that he was just like, he didn't give a fuck about shit anymore. It's very realistic. But yeah, you're going to love it when you start seeing that stuff and you start seeing the, like when you go through it and you start seeing how like exactly what we were talking about before is like, there's people who are like out in the open, they're damaged. And Tommy's like very reserved and always keeps it cool. And he play and he, he knows everything. He plays everything right. He knows how to like deal with people and like his conversations are like perfect, but you know, when he goes home, he's fucking losing it. He stares at the wall waiting for the diggers to come through. Waiting for the fuck. He always just waiting for the shovels. I think he said he's like, he's like every night. He's like, I sit there and I wait. He's like, I hear him every night, Danny. And he's like, some days they come through. He's like, some day he's like, I pray that they don't come through. He's like, some days they do and some days they don't. And he's like, I just fucking deal with it. And it's like, it's like, it's a powerful fucking scene. Cause it makes Cause it, it for me, that's what it's like. It's one of those ones where you feel like this small. You're just like, wow, man, I don't really have problems. And then, like, because he may be fake, but there's like, there's people's fucking grandfathers and shit that that's real. Yeah. That's fucking real to those motherfuckers. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like he might be a character, but it actually happened to people. Mm-hmm. Somebody burnt your breakfast sandwich at McDonald's just kind of ruined your morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But at least a fucking. At least the cave didn't cave in on me. Exactly. I don't know, like, at least I'm not dead. Well, like, just want to mention, like, all the fuck shit that happens to him then in the show. Like, that's, like, that happens, like, off screen, basically, like, before yeah. the show starts. It's another thing, too. A big a big part of, like, who who Tommy is is also the, uh, I know I said his name earlier, but Killian Murphy absolutely fucking destroys this part. And I heard this somewhere in, like, a, like through YouTube and stuff like that. I don't know if it's true, but... I heard that they were like when they were making this when they were gonna make the series. He had auditioned, like they had gone through the auditioning process, and they weren't sure if they were gonna pick him. And I heard that he called the the uh, like the director and the writer and stuff, and he was just like, "Hey man, I know you're thinking about someone and someone, but like I just want like remember that I'm an actor. Like I'm like I'm an actor, actor. You know what I mean? I, he didn't say it like that, but he just like reminded him like, yo, like 
you may want like a big role actor or something like that or like a big name actor but like remember like i do this <laughs> and like if that's true like there's no truer statement dude because like I've watched videos on YouTube about like how Killian plays the part and same with Tom. It's all like body language. It's all like everything that he does is kind of like it's it has a reason to it. You know what I mean? Because they're also playing these gangsters. So he has to like play an intimidating role. You can't. There's ways that people, you know what I mean? Like we don't think of that when we're watching it. But like people actors take like body fucking language classes and they fucking act a certain way due to a certain... Like, I even noticed one time... You've seen season five. Mm-hmm. So there's a time where Tommy's talking to Oswald Mosley, someone who he's nervous around, and something you never see him do. He's, like, sitting here like this, and he's like... And I was like, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, that doesn't even look like Tommy. I was like, that just looks like <laughs> Killian Murphy fucking twiddling his fingers. It's like, but it doesn't look like fucking Tommy. Like... <laughs> So it's like it's stuff like that. It's like even so, it's like he knows that he plays Tommy such a stern face that he needs to do stuff like that to make it seem like Tommy's fucking nervous. Because like people like us, like we don't think about it until we think about it, until someone says it and you notice it and stuff like that. But like there, like he just does a really good job at playing. Dude, that stone cold face, like it's just <laughs> something like. It's like you know something's about to happen, but you never know what it is. Yeah, except for someone's gonna die. <laughs> but you never know how it's going to happen. And that's the weirdest fucking part like about Peaky Blinders is like you know what's going to happen. But every single time you just you're just like how the fuck? Like how the fuck did this just go? Like it, it leaves you fu- I I can't like I can't say enough about the writer. I think the writer writes it fucking amazing. Like everyone's dialogue is fucking amazing. Yeah. One thing I'll say is like they let John out to dry. <laughs> they let John out to dry. John Shelby, like I said, he's the he's the third brother, younger than Tommy and Arthur. And as you go th- as we go through, you'll notice that like Tommy, obviously the main protagonist, Aunt Polly, kind of plays as like his like right hand woman. She's like she's a gypsy, but she's his aunt. She's very smart, but she's also a woman. So back then, she couldn't be the person that Tommy is. You know what I mean? People just at back at that time, like people wouldn't have respected her. Plus, I just don't think that she is. Like as much as she says that she's a match for him, which I do believe she kind of is. Like there's an edge that Tommy has over her. You know what I mean? Like Tommy, there's stuff that Tommy realizes that she doesn't. Because there's times where she's like, "What the fuck?" And he like he fucking hits her with it. He's like, "You know I'm fucking right." She's like, ew. I feel like it's more of like her, like if she gets like mad and like really like gets into something, like she'll do it. Like yeah. Tommy. Yeah. It's not just like always on. Yeah. Like Tommy is like one hundred percent Tommy is like fucking uh John Wick. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's like a level of focus. <laughs> like he's just uh, he is always fucking strategizing and always moving. And I think, yeah, like she has to be motivated by something to like get into that fucking like i'm gonna fuck i'm gonna start going ham on some motherfuckers um but yeah that's a history of the peaky blinders the shelby family uh we mentioned tommy arthur john finn aunt polly ada and all of these supporting characters um shout out johnny dogs Shout out to Johnny fucking dogs. So I know people have heard us say this before too, because he's also, he's in like the Witcher. He plays like a supporting character in the, in the Witcher series. And like the very first episode, he gets his head chopped off. And it's just like, yes, it's like, there's no more. Like, 
I don't know, like, I'm, like, I'm almost disappointed because I didn't see him more, but at the same time, it's just like, dude, you play roles like that, you know what I mean? Like, you're the guy who steps up, and you're just like, fuck yeah, I'll do, I'll fucking play that. <laughs> dude, he's so funny. The scene where he talks about tax, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, dude. In the second season, Johnny Dog's this gypsy guy that Tommy uses. He just used to do all this, like, all these little ins and outs jobs of him. He's like his go-to, like, ah, oh, Johnny Dogs will do that. I can trust Johnny well, Johnny with Johnny Dogs will get the right people to do it. Yep, and he just pays Johnny Dog, and Johnny Dogs just does his bidding, like these little fucking jobs for him. But he fucking, in the second season, they're like moving, they're moving this contraband around and stuff like that. And he fucking like goes up to him, and he's just like, he like starts him out with like, yeah, you know what's in these crates, Johnny, or something like that. He's like, oh, you know me, Tom. I'm not. I'm no good with that type. I'm no. I think it's car parts or something. He's like, I'm no good with cars, Tom. You know. He's like, yeah, but you know, like stuff between friends. You know, stuff happens like that. You know, 25 could be 24, but if 24 ever became 23, that's tax, <laughs> and we don't pay tax, Tom, Johnny. And he's like, no, Tom, no, Tom. He's like, good man. <laughs> he fucking walks off, and it's just like. Oh, it's just such a fucking funny way. Like, again, very bad things. Not against, like, things you can't do legally. Oh, there's one where it's like, Johnny, I want you to go take a couple of your families and go camp them down by the river at, like, a certain place to, like, drive off some people from, like, hanging around there. You ever, <laughs> you ever heard of this place? No, Tom. All right. Well, you and the Lee boys are going to go over there and camp 100 yards from this line. You won't have to worry about being moved on. I just bought the property. <laughs> some boys are going to come out there, and they're going to dig a hole, and you guys are going to hide the hole. <laughs> as soon as that's done, you guys can pack up, leave, and you guys will be good. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's literally, that's, I'm, like, I'm paraphrasing the scene, but that's literally, literally what happens in the scene. Like... That's how he treats Johnny Dogs, and then like that may sound like really right. fucked up, but Johnny Dogs is like one of he's that he's that go-to guy where he's just like yeah he's he's perfectly fine, fucking doing this fucking dirty work for some fucking money. They always call it sport. That's what they call it. They call it like when like whenever they start like getting violent with motherfuckers, they call it sport. Like oh I thought your sporting days were done, Tom. <laughs> one was like you even know where you even know where the bullets come out, Tom. <laughs> Oh man, but it's an incredible series. Um, like I said, it can get to it gets like really intense. Everything is like the plans of Tommy are very intricate. So I'm gonna try to describe. I know I, I know this is me, so <laughs> it's gonna be very hard. I'm gonna try to describe everything so it like kind of like flows together and you get the gist of what I'm talking about and not so I spoil everything for everyone. But we will be covering the rest of the actual story. Of Peaky Blinders in the whole series because that's what we do here at Room to Talk. We cover the whole fucking thing. We talk the whole enchilada. We fucking cover the whole thing. And this time it was about the Shelbys and their histories, the Gypsies. If people didn't know about Gypsies, you can. A bunch we might of fucking tinkers. <laughs> See, tinker is a slur to fucking to Gypsies, you motherfucker. But yeah, they called them tinkers back in the day. Um, they, they drove around in caravans. They, like, they followed the flocks. Like, they'd follow the fucking, the ravens. They, they literally did, children. like, yeah, like, they didn't know where they'd camp the next day. Like, they had all these different, like, they were believed to be, like, sorcerers and witches sometimes. Yeah, they're just so nomadic people. Yeah. Almost, like, 
exactly what he said. I can't really say it any better. They 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 had like villages of caravans. They fucking went around. There are these nomadic people, but then Tommy is like, Tommy's different. (laughs) Tommy's different. Tommy breaks off and they fucking make this crime syndicate and fucking great fucking show. Absolutely great show. I can't wait for Mike to finish it so we can talk about it. Yeah, I'm gonna have to watch it. Well, I guess we're gonna talk about it either way here in a few fucking weeks, so it doesn't matter. We're fucking. We're gonna get her in. <laughs> we're gonna get her in. But it was another good episode of Room to Talk. Hell yeah! I'm Bud Walker. Michael Kloski. I'm Baby Dick. By order of the Peaky Fucking Blinders. We'll see you next week, kids. Bye. Later. We hit the jackpot. We found the cheese barn. Get the wheelbarrow. Get back to the house.